boys? How's it going? Gentlemen. Happy Friday. Uh, I asked Nick Cavazos to come on with us tonight because we are we are the um, like the bad seeds of meaning of Catholic. <laughs> <laughs> Only someone, I guess. Only someone. We're like, we're like, like Dark Brandon of meaning yeah, of Dark Catholic. Brandon. Like we love Tim Flanders. We love Jeremiah. We love uh, Jake, Jake Fowler. But we're on a little bit on the spicier trad side than they are. I would say they're more the... They like to stay in the lines a little more. So this, these, you would get your spicier meaning of Catholic takes on Nick's channel or our channel. That's, mm-hmm. that's, that's a fair assessment, I'd say. So before we even get started, though, there's a lot of new subscribers that probably found our channel because of the talk I gave at the conference. And at the conference, I said we do a deeper dive into the whole topic of my talk. So if you are somebody new that wants to do that deeper dive, Rob and I did a two-part series called The Danielic Mystery in the Book of Ephesians. So part one, um, we do we set up the ancient world and we go into all those ancient cults. And then part two, we go into scripture and we show how the book of Ephesians is really a typological fulfillment of the book of Daniel. So if anybody's new and they did want to do a deeper dive into that topic, go check that series out. And then really the cap to that two-part series was our interview with Joshua Charles, where uh, we talk about the catacomb, the restrainer, and the mystery of iniquity. So if you have a long car ride and you're looking to put three, four hours of content, (laughs) <laughs> under under your belt that's a good solid four hours right there um nick why don't you um give everybody that doesn't know you a little uh backdrop because you you were on with us recently you told us your conversion story rob you weren't on with us that episode right you're muted i was not on for that no that was when hope was having the baby so i mean nick you don't have yes. to give us your whole your whole conversion story but Maybe just like a five-minute synopsis of it, just so people get an idea of who you are. Yeah, short story is that I was brought up in an evangelical world, baptized in the church, but parents left the church very, very early on in my infancy. And so I grew up for 20 years in non-denominationalism. And as I was going through that period of growing up, I was a theology nerd, read a bunch of theology textbooks and the scripture like crazy, uh, as well as watched a lot of YouTube content. Learned a lot of theology through YouTube. Was somewhat of a reformed Calvinist, uh, but then around the age of 19 or 20, I became very much so convinced that I was not um, justified in front of God, right? Not saved, to kind of use uh, Protestant terms. And so I went on a crazy dive that lasted for about um, two or three years where I was just really pouring over the scriptures, trying to examine myself. And lo and behold, I actually came to Catholic positions or just what you could actually call authentic Christian positions through reading the authentic Christian book being the Bible. And I uh, came to Catholic positions, had a friend who Wait, invited what, what was the first one? The first one of uh, the books the that first I read. Catholic position, position. You came to through reading scripture. Oh, that good question. I'd say actually salvation. It was the justification question because I was very much so just rejecting this idea that justification is nothing more than a legal declaration of God for man. So that, you know, essentially it's this idea that once you accept Christ as Lord, using kind of like the, the American evangelical version, once you accept Christ as Lord, God looks at you and he sees Christ 
Christ's righteousness covers over you, and then the unrighteousness of you is imputed to Christ. And so it's a purely legal declaration. So Christ so, is the, so it's uh, like it's like when when God says, "Let there be light," He declares it, and it is so. So when God says, basically, "You are righteous," then you are righteous. As a yeah, and it's, and it's righteous through Christ. I just had a problem with that because the more I was reading Scripture, the more I was recognizing that salvation wasn't just by merely an act of faith. Um, that it had to be shown by the fruits in one's life, um, by living a righteous life, um, or to use more technical language, cooperating with God's grace, right? God's grace is what saves you, but you actually have to cooperate with it. And so, yeah, I came to Catholic positions and interestingly came into the church through the traditional world because I had a friend who invited me to go to mass with her, went to mass, uh, continued to research a bunch more about the church, but I went to about three or four new masses, and I was um, so scandalized by what I saw that I basically, by the end of the last one, did not know if I wanted to convert. I remember saying to myself or praying, Lord, I know that this church believes you're present in the Eucharist, but I don't believe these people believe that. And it was something that was very challenging for me, but I uh, thankfully found a Latin mass really close by, went to that and more or less the rest is history. I, I, I converted through the TLM. That's what actually kept me hold, kept hold of me. Um, and it makes sense because at the end of the day, it was Catholic, you know, yeah. actually Catholic. It was actually giving me the faith um, and not giving me some type of watered down version. Um, and it wasn't just even a watered down version. It was a watered down version portrayed in a very corny way, you know? Yeah. So, but yeah, that's yeah. basically about me. I, I, I made the, uh, like, I think I made the point, like, it was like, so I was reading like Scott Hahn and learning all his deep theology and stuff and reading his book about the, the Lamb's Supper, about how like the mass is heaven on earth. And I'm like, until I, I went to a Latin mass that didn't connect. And I never understood how the saints could have a devotion to the mass because I would be falling asleep at mass. And I thought it was really oddly like cultish when people are holding hands and praying in unison like that it just felt really weird to me and then when i went to my first traditional mass it was like oh oh this is catholicism i get it now like it was like this weird thing you know it, it's funny because uh the novus ordo world is all, all about encounter right but you don't encounter catholicism in the novus ordo one bit now you just walk away confused yeah. Did either of you catch um, Matt Frad had um, Mike Gormley on the other day? Did you yeah, catch their, their liturgy conversation? Yeah, I actually have a video that is coming out Monday on this where I review uh, Matt Frad. He made that video and then he made uh, a short article that he put out on his website. What is the future of the Nova Sordo? And I'd say I agree with about 90 percent of it. Um, essentially, his his position is like it's not whatever it is going to do. Um, over the next you know, 50 years, we're just going to essentially see it disappear because people are going to continue to leave en masse. And then if we do see any version of it, it's going to be a highly reformed, different version, something that's going to look more like the ordinariate or maybe like the TLM, but in the vernacular. That would be obviously a great step in the right direction. Um, well, yeah, ultimately, my criticism, though, is that they still just don't understand where did this thing come from? You know, it didn't just fall out of thin air and like, oh, I don't know. Let's just fix it in 400 years and maybe it'll be all right. Well, I, I, I kind of want to get Mike Gormley on because it was such an interesting conversation. But he he was talking about the ordinary. And he's like, there's this 500 year old patrimony here that you have to. Mm -hmm. But 
it's like that's Can not you really an call abs- anything from Cranmer a, like a true patrimony. I mean, well, well, listen, Cranmer did have some beautiful poetry. Like he was a very good writer. I understand that, but the point is that, like, first off, that's not an apostolic liturgy. It's not. No, yeah, and. Mm-hmm. You're you're like oh this 500 year patrimony. It's like well we have a t- 2,000 year old patrimony. So I think I think he kind of gets um a, a bad feeling from the traditionalists, right? There is a there is a segment of traditionalists that I mean I catch them all the time on on Twitter. They're annoying. Like they're yeah. like yeah, they, like the way they talk about anybody that doesn't think exactly what they think. It's like they 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 want to anathematize everybody. It's crazy. It's like. You guys got to chill out. Like it's if you want to bring people to the traditional mass, like you have to show them the beauty of it and show them the love that we have in these communities. You're not going to do it by calling them heretic. Like you're just not going to and condemning everybody. Yeah, no, exactly. That's that's it's just insane. Uh, Nick, what what does Nick find most compelling about the traditional mass? Was there something in the TLM that stood out that was overwhelming almost? I th- oh, that's a hard question. That's a good question, though. I think honestly, if I had to pinpoint it off the top of my head, it was so otherworldly, you know. Um, wait, oh, wait, wait. <laughs> Donna's being sarcastic, everybody. Th- that is a comment we have seen on Twitter. Yes, okay. it is. So, all right. So, I'm sorry, Nick. Go back. So, what, what did you find anything more like otherworldly about it that that shocked you? Or it's so, yeah, it's so alien to like most people's experience you know i mean think of it this way put yourself in my shoes i came from a world where worship was rock concert it was a rock concert feel dark you 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 dim down everything you play highly emotional repetitive music you know it's all with just smoke and lighting and it's trying to a whip like whip up some type of feeling inside of you to get some type of reaction typically really to to donate that's really the reason behind a lot of it they want their tithes yeah (laughs) it's like yeah we expect like i'm gonna pass around the basket and then i'm just gonna believe with faith that it's gonna turn into a massive trash can because it's so full of you know your offerings and stuff like that but the latin mass was just so otherworldly i i assume that it's like what it's like seeing encountering eastern liturgies for the first time it's just something that's so different than a person's lived experience. And so I think that that's what it was. It was just so alien to what I had gone through. And because uh, again, it's like the Novus Ordo, while sure, yes, different than the rock concert. Well, not always. Like, not always. No, I'm saying like, it was just so lame in comparison on an yeah. aesthetic level. Like it was just so lame. I mean, I, I remember saying to my friends, like if I wanted someone to play the guitar, I would just go back because it's just very corny. And again, I'm not trying to like blast the people who go or the blast people who play the guitar there. Um, but it's just like, you got to admit that if it's just purely on aesthetics, right, without the theology attached, but just purely aesthetics, the Nova Sordo is going to be right down there with, you know, the Methodist service with just a bunch of like really old antiquated mainline Protestant denomination fields. You know, I mean, when it, oh, sorry, uh, in college, I was uh, dating a, gr- a girl, a Methodist. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I was more or less away from the faith, still believed in all the doctrines, just was in college and, you know, living like everyone else. But she would, you know, every once in a while I would go to mass and she would come with me. And then there was one or two times where for a family thing, I went to a Methodist service and realized how similar it was. And of course, I made the mistake of explaining to her that it was similar because the Methodist service was modeled after, you know, the Catholic mass. 
not realizing that in all actuality it was the exact opposite. All the way around. That the Novus Ordo was modeled after Methodist and Lutheran and other Protestant services. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. It's so funny because I actually, when I, oh man, when I was in like the heart of my conversion, like when I first started understanding. So like I, when I first married my wife, my wife is Lutheran. I'm Catholic. I knew that the Catholic church had the, the, the blessed sacrament and that Jesus was really present in the Eucharist. But I'm now I'm reading Scott Hahn and I'm going deeper and I'm not receiving at my wife's Lutheran church. When we go there, I'm and I'm not like now I won't even go, but like at this time, like, but I'm emailing with the pastor and like talking to the pastor. And I'm like, I'm like part of the reason I I can still go to church at your at your um at your parish is because you've kept so much of the Catholic liturgy and all this. It's like wait a minute, I don't know. I had it so I think about how naive I was back then. It's oh, so know. funny. It's I was mm. I was debating the Protestant pastor like early on in my conversion. I had some really good conversations with him though because at my sister in law's wedding. I sat at his table and like, he was like, you're the first Catholic I've ever met that knows anything about theology. <laughs> like it was, actually, <laughs> it was pretty funny, but um, yeah. So it's like, but I had, I had something similar where it was like, it really did like something so transcendent about the traditional liturgy. That's like, I mean, we th- listen, uh, people have had these conversations a million times on the internet, right? It's like, uh, like really it's, I just think that you're never going to bring people to that beauty by telling people, if you don't, if you go to the Novus Ordo, you're in the, you're in the Vatican II sect. And all these, it's just so ridiculous. It's like, I don't know, man. I, I do think, Oh, sorry. I got it. Oh, no, you're right. I'm just like, what is so surprising to me is again, like my dad, right, grew up Catholic, like just he was born in 65, right? So he his like earliest memories are going to the altar rail and things like that. But you know, his family went from, you know, grandfather discerning tapas monks in like the 30s, like discerning with them to all 10 children, don't even have confirmation, like horrible 60s, 70s, 80s catechesis. So that by the time that like he's uh, like I remember as a kid, right? He's quote rebaptized. Uh, he's learning all the Bible stories for the first time at this Protestant church. Um, he's like, yeah, I didn't learn any. He wasn't like indignant about his upbringing, but he was just being honest. He was just like, yeah, I, I didn't learn anything. I did not, you know, I never even heard of like the story of Moses. I didn't even know about David and Goliath. I didn't so even know about all these things. The and then this was so bad. Yeah, and it's like he went to mass every Sunday. You know, he, it wasn't like he was just skipping out or whatever. He, he went, he had me baptized, but then this is the thing he becomes, you know, on fire at the, the non-denominational church, like where he's actually going. He, my dad has gone, uh, I think some like 15 times overseas now to do foreign missions, right? Like he's Your on dad? fire. Yeah. My dad, um, and my mom. So it's like, that's, that's their world. But then it's like, you know, and so their, their practical experience of Catholicism is just kind of like, yeah, these watered down liturgies. But then I take them to the Latin mass and for the first time, they're asking questions about. So, yeah, so, all right. So wait, last time you came on with me, we got into this a little bit. And it was like you, your your mom actually said to you next time you go to adoration, pray for me. Right. Like something along those lines. Maybe I might be off a little bit, but it was something along those lines. She wants right? to go. She wants to go to adoration. And because she's never even like what's so interesting is that I've been showing them scripture. I've been showing them the fathers and they've come to the belief that there is such a thing as real presence communion, which again, for us Catholics, we take it for granted, but you have to yeah. understand non-denominational 
Protestants, it's a symbol. It's a cracker. It's a it's some grape juice, right? It's not even wine. It's actual grape juice and Dixie cups. Like that's what it is. Um, and so to actually transfer from I'm drinking juice out of a Dixie cup to this is God is a massive jump. And it's a jump that I can only attribute to the grace of God in the Latin mass and in just what I've been showing them. And so that's, that's my point is it's like when we, we hear this phrase, Lexa Rondi, Lex Credendi all the time in the trad world, but have we really stopped to think about it? What does that mean? The law of prayer. So what I'm praying equates to the law of belief. So it's like, if my prayer is emotional music at a rock concert, then it's like, um, yeah, no, true. Um, uh, if, if, uh, if my, exp- if my prayer is nothing more than an emotional prayer at the rock concert, right. Then I'm going to make a God in my own image. I'm going to make God tailor to all the desires that I want. I want a car. I want a wife. I want kids. I want whatever. Right. And God, give it to me. Right. If becomes I give a genie. Money, yeah. God becomes a genie. If I go to the Novus Ordo and I keep hearing these things like, the, you know, the listening church, the encountering Christ, the communion of people, and all these types of things, then you're going to assume that Christ is a God who sends no one to hell, who doesn't judge anybody, and, and etc. But then if you go to the Latin Mass, you get called out, right? Because you're recognizing, wow, these prayers are actually praying to God that my sins would be purged. And it's not focused solely on wrath and judgment, because it's also showing you the reality of Christ in his sacrifice gives himself to you and how like, and what is an, what kind of intimate moment is this where I actually kneel down and receive from somebody else? Like this is just very deep and very, it's very sacred. You know, it is like Moses, right? Like you're kneeling there at the burning bush saying, what is going on? I mean, you're having the one that our lady bore in her body and yet we have the audacity for people to be like, yeah, put it in a bread basket, have Aunt Susie just pass it out. Who cares? I'm like, it, it all equates to what you believe at the end. So, like, okay, Rob, were you going to say something? I don't want to cut you off. No. Okay, so um, I've really been – all right, so I actually said this to Kennedy yesterday. So, like, if you really pay attention to who is Pope-splaining, right? So we're going to get into this this episode, right? If you really look at the people who are Pope-splaining – these are all people that go to the Novus Ordo, right? Like mm-hmm. almost almost uniformly, the people that go to the Latin Mass are like, this is problematic. This is something wrong here, right? Now, there are plenty of people that go to the Novus Ordo that think there's something wrong here. So I'm, I'm talking to those people right now. Like if you go to the Novus Ordo and you feel that way, what I'm, what I'm going to say is that Lex Orande, Lex Credende, the Novus Ordo conditions you to lose your zeal and fervor for the faith. It just does. Like I, I remember when, when the, um, when the mandate came down, like if I wasn't going to the traditional mass, I don't think I would have had the fervor to put my foot down and be willing to walk away from my job over it. Like I, I would have been used to being conditioned to making exceptions, making exceptions. So I don't judge anyone that goes to a novice order. That's not at all what I'm saying here. It is a valid mass. What I'm saying is if you do love the best part about being a trad is worshiping Mary, you're hundred percent. <laughs> Absolutely, Kennedy. Remember, we, we, that's so funny. He's in here. I just said that. Good, so, good video, I, by the way, that he made yesterday on the set. Good video. It was a very good video mm-hmm. because I really I don't like when Catholics are so like we don't worship Mary. We don't like you're crazy. We do <laughs> like not as not as worship to God. Like yeah, not Latria, but uh, hyperdulia. 
but like, but you don't even have to get into that distinction. Like, it's just, mm-hmm. dude, like I, 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 of course we like, you don't can, she's not a deity, but she's the queen of heaven. You think mm-hmm. you're not going to drop to your knees in heaven and worship her? Yes, you are not as a deity, but as the queen of heaven. Yeah. You'd be surprised. I'm sure that there are literally some people. I mean, it's like this. If we're not willing to drop on our knees right now to receive God almighty, there's going to be people who are still going to complain that they have to drop on their knees to give reverence to Mary. I'll tell you, man, I say one of the things I say uh, to, to people all the time is because a lot of people have, have this idea that um, like everybody goes to heaven, right? Like, I, like it's just like this kind of like, Oh God wouldn't send everybody to hell. Right. So one of the things I try to say to people is if, if you want nothing to do with God in this life, you won't want anything to do with him in the next. Mm-hmm. Like, just think about that. Like, if you don't want to go to church and you don't want to talk about God now, what makes you think the next life you're going to want anything to do with him? Like, you're just not going to. Mm-hmm. You, you won't. And it's like, what, what our life is in this world is everything competing for your attention. Everything's just trying to grab your attention and pull your attention away. Now, you're your role is to keep your attention focused on God because anything that pulls your attention away from God is an idol in your life. And when you die, any of those idols that took the place of God, you will chase those for all eternity. Mm -hmm. Instead of chasing the one true God, you will chase that thing that took his place in this life for all eternity. So like I, I had this conversation with Skojak because Skojak is constantly harping on the doom and gloom of hell and the teaching of hell. And I don't know what upbringing he had in the Nova Zordo world where they talk about I never heard about hell once. <laughs> growing once. Up. <laughs> I never heard about it once, but it's like really the, the idea of like this torment in hell comes from Dante. And mm-hmm. it's because when you really think about a a lack of God, a saint would see that as torment. Like, and I'm not saying hell is going to be easy. I'm saying you just won't have God. You will chase this other thing for all of eternity and it will be fruitless and empty. And it will be to a saint. That is the most torturous thing in the world where, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not like I think God is sitting there poking you with a hot coal every two seconds. If you, if you didn't worship him, like, I I just think that people really have to see hell a little bit differently, you know? Mm -hmm. You know, I fully agree. I think that what you see is fundamentally this, this problem, which, which is, is that we are only notice this people who typically Pope's plane, as you said, right. They're either all in the Novus Ordo or they separate from the Novus Ordo, change rights, and end up yes. eating, or, or ordinary. Or they run away and hide. Uh-huh. Okay, and, wait, wait. I got to stop you there. I got to stop you there because this, 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 look, I have to call this out. I, and I'm not saying this in any way to denigrate either of these men. I'm done with the Lofton thing. But what, I, what I'm going to just say is this like, because he's one of the biggest defenders of the Novus Ordo, right? But look at what he did to get away from the Novus Ordo. Like he went and changed rights officially. The bishop said no. He had to go back and forth and argue with the bishop and get all these things done to get away from the Novus Ordo because he didn't want to be part of the Novus Ordo. Like, like that's not an easy task. That's a headache. That's a pain And there's the no Eastern Church near him, so he was going to the Eastern Orthodox Divine Liturgy because that's acceptable as once you're officially an Eastern Orthodox or once you're officially an Eastern Rite Catholic, you can attend an Eastern Orthodox Divine Liturgy if there's no Eastern Liturgy near you. So it was like 
like this loophole he found. But this is a guy who grew up in the Latin right. He's not genuinely Eastern. Like, he's just not. But he did everything he could to escape the Novus Ordo because of how problematic it is. Matt Frad did, too. Mm-hmm. So Matt Frad, and I love Matt Frad. I'm not like this is no way in no way a knock to him, but even him, he became Ukrainian Catholic. Dude, you're from Australia. What do you mean Ukrainian Catholic? Like, look what you did to, to get away from the Novus Ordo. Because in his own words, he even said, I woke up, you know, I, I was raised up in this benign, banal liturgy that it was just and and Mike Gormley said to him, he goes, Yeah, but is that a feature or a bug? Right. Like, is that like so even the people that I think talk about the Reverend Novus Ordo, I think they think it's a Reverend Novus Ordo, but I don't think it really is. It's like I think people are so desensitized to what what a proper liturgy is that they think because there might not be any altar girls or because the priest allows you to receive on the on the tongue and kneeling that that's a Reverend Novus Ordo. That's not. A Reverend Novus Ordo. A Reverend Novus Ordo would be like you see a St. John Cantius where it's ad orientum and there's Latin chant throughout the entire thing. And I think that is such a unicorn rarity that I don't think anybody gets that. There was a there was an interview I remember like maybe a year ago between um, Brian Holdsworth. Yeah, no, a fully hundred percent Kennedy. I hundred, I hundred percent. I asked Kennedy if he wanted to come on with us tonight, and this bum said he couldn't come on. I mean, join the conversation. You know, he and I have actually technically never officially met, which is kind of really. Exciting. You should actually, Kennedy. You should get Nick on, man. Have Nick on. Yeah, or I, vice versa. We, 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 yeah. we It's the, it's time to come together, Texas and Canada, do something productive. Get Canada on the map for something positive once in history. I don't know. Is my opinion. Uh, um, oh, so, I'm sorry. I cut you up, Nick. Go ahead. Oh yeah, but just going back to what I'm saying, like I remember seeing an interview. I believe it was on Brian Holdsworth's show. Great guy. I honestly love to talk to him. Um, but on the subject of a Reverend Novus Ordo, and I think it was with the priest. One of the things that I found interesting about this. Um, oh okay. <clears throat> um, oh, I'll send you the link, Kennedy. If you want to pop on, I'll send it to you. Yeah, that'd be fun. Um, I remember him him saying get, getting asked the question by Brian Holdsworth. He was asked. Is there a place in the world where you can send priests to go to get trained for a quote Reverend Novus Ordo? And this is what the priest was kind of like, you know, trying to justify the idea of a Reverend Novus Ordo and stuff. And the priest said after like a 20 second pause, not that I'm aware of, which was quite telling because the issue is this. And this is why it's so sad. It's really sad when we're grasping at straws to try to find a reverent notice order to be the exception to the rule. But the exception to the rule typically proves the rule. It's going to show that at the end of the day, the problem that we face is a systematic one. And we're so I think everyone, even the defenders, are so scandalized that we end up falling into two groups, the scandalized who are willing to call it out and the scandalized who are willing to cope. And that's just really where we're at, you know, because it's like, I was that, I was in that group. I was in that latter group, right? I was scandalized, but I was still willing to go because I didn't know any better. I had no, no other options. Mm -hmm. So it's like, but I really think like um, for all the, all the, uh, you know, the meanness and the tr- first of online, online traditional Catholicism is very different from on the ground Catholicism. It just is. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I've never met more beautiful people than I have at my, at my parish. It's just, and I've, I've met at least as many mean online Novus Ordo people as I have. Kennedy can't come on. He, 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 
Kennedy only had five minutes to pop in the chat. He has put his kids to bed and he has a priest coming over. So I, I sent them the link, but he can't make it. Um, we'll, we'll, we will meet one day. One yeah, day. we'll do a show. Listen, uh, we'll get, we'll do. I, I mean, I I think, first of all, Nick, you're one of my favorite people to talk to. Uh, can I please smoke a cigarette on the street? My wife will murder me if I smoked in the house. Yeah, I got have a cigar in there. Cigars, pipe. pipes, yes. Cigarettes. I smoke my pipe in the house, not a cigarette. Maybe we'll do that one night. Um, yeah, we'll we'll figure it out. We'll get. But I, Nick, I love having you on because you, um, first of all, you're one of the. Even like even like when I told you like lay out your a five minute succinct story of your of your like you just you have such a way of like giving like I'm all over the place when I talk. I can't even complete a sentence. <laughs> so like I'm all over where I've never seen anybody as disciplined. Where uh, even when you do like those media Catholic segments and stuff, like you really know how to present something in such a, a a perfect way that it makes it understandable and everything. So Rob and I actually suggested to Father Lovell that you come on the conference with us next year. I, I, like, I want you to give a talk at that conference next year. Yeah, that'd be awesome. I I don't know if it's mainly just because I'm a Thomist or if it was – I did take a public speaking course in uh, junior high for uh, in this homeschooling co-op. So I don't know if it's that. But, uh, but yeah, no, I appreciate it. It's definitely I, – I enjoy speaking and helping people, so – we got to address this. So the reform of the reform is dead. If you present the directives of uh, Samorum Pontificum to a conservative priest, you will just get blinks, hemming and hawing. So what's so weird is like, Joe, I was, when I tell you, I was a reform of the reform guy. Like I was a hermeneutic of continuity guy. Like I really loved Benedict. Like I, I had a deep love for him. Like when he got elected, I was so ecstatic and, I guess a lot of it had to do with like the influence of the guys I was listening to. I was listening to a lot of uh, lighthouse Catholic media stuff. And it was like, like to see that whole thing fall apart was like earth shattering for me when Francis comes in. Like I I just couldn't make sense of it. Like, wait a minute, this is not what my understanding of a Pope is and all Mm -hmm. this. And we go from all the way from there to where we are today, where I like that. So that, Right after Morris Letizia, I leave the faith for a while because I just like my brain couldn't compute. Like it just didn't make sense. The faith I had learned and the faith I was seeing, just like you couldn't make sense of the Novus Ordo with Catholicism. I was like, wait, I was told the Pope is infallible and we had nothing to worry as long as as long, you know, I I even was watching like Catholic stuff you should know, and they were giving examples of popes who had died before they preached heresy, like God actually struck them dead before mm-hmm. they would preach heresy. And then we get Amoris Letizia and it just broke me so now we're at a point now where we're seeing what francis is doing and who are the four cardinals that, that who are the four announcements that Dan, diane montagna announced today uh, rob kupich Zupich, whatever his name is uh mcelroy uh martin uh, um <clears throat> gregory was one gregory, gregory, yeah. uh, there was a couple other Ones too. Uh, Austin Ivory is has been invited. So is Bishop Barron. So is Cardinal Dolan. But I don't know if the, they were invited or if the USCCB put them on. Still waiting for Bishop Fillet's invite, but uh, I don't know if I'll get that. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, what do we make of this synod that's coming up? I. What do you, what do you, what do you think is going? All right. So, all right. So we know the gates of hell will not prevail, right? Like we know that 
we have the promise of Christ, but we also know that we have men in the hierarchy who are trying to actively, like, I'm not going to pretend Francis is naive. I'm not going to pretend Francis is imprudent. Francis knows what he's doing. He's inviting men to participate in this synod that he knows have, that have views that are heterodox and contrary to the Catholic faith. He's doing it intentionally and he's doing it to make a mess in his own words. So what happens from something like this? It's a great question. I, so I have a kind of like two answers. One's like the principled answer and one's the kind of just on spot emotional answer. So I'll give the principled one because it's superior. So principally, um, <laughs> principally it's, the Synod is nothing more than just the calm, the absolute ultimate culmination of literally every single thing that Pope St. Pius X warned about in his mission. Mm-hmm. In the synthesis of... When you go and you just read, um, you want you guys want to actually, I, I didn't think about this. Let me give you, if you guys want, 10, I think it's 10 bullet points from the that this is why I love you can Nick, share the, the screen way. if you want. Like, this is literally why I love Nick. Because we'll, I'll, I'll cut this into a segment, Nick. Fire oh, away. Sure. So I, I, I can't put this on the screen, but I can send you the link, Rob, if you want. Yeah, go for it. And maybe you can, um, whenever we're done, um, put it up or something. It's just, I have it here on my phone, just very briefly. But here are, this all comes from, if people want to check this out. This all so comes wait, from, is it, are these your 10 points or are they somebody else's? This is Pope St. Pius the 10th. Oh, okay, points. okay. The this syllabus of errors. This comes from, well, this comes from paragraph 38 of his encyclical Pashendi, right? Paragraph 38. Now, this is just the bullet points of all the things that he warns about in this specific um, uh, warning. Now, tell me if any of these things sound familiar. The modernist agenda of reform will do these. One, replace scholastic philosophy with modern philosophy, especially in the seminaries. You see the gutting of Aquinas, the governing of scholasticism, etc. Two, reform theology according to modern thought. Three, Rewrite history to portray modernization as both necessary and inevitable, right? Number four, reframe reframe dogma as being historically contingent and subject to evolution. Five, limit catechesis to teachings that are readily understood and accepted by the laity. Six, reduce external devotions. Seven, weaken the ability of the church to impose discipline. Eight, uh, give governing authority to clergy and to laity. And to uh, nine, decentralize the power of ecclesiastical government, abolish the index of forbidden books, reform the holy office, bring to the church into harmony with its current social and political environment. Last three things, elevate the active virtues uh, to the exclusion of the spiritual ones. And finally, reduce the clergy and church to poverty and suppress priestly celibacy. This is insane that like literally everything. So, okay. So Josh, uh, Joshua Charles, who's coming on Tuesday with us, mm-hmm. he put together a book that was released in the 1800s um, of, oh, man, Rob. You're you talking know, the one on Freemasonry. On, on Freemasonry, right? So he, he releases this book and it's, and it's, it was, I think it was a cardinal or a bishop who went and presented this thesis and just explained everything that was going to happen you guys got to read this book that joshua charles put out it's uh what, what's it called rob i'm so terrible is it something a, about the anti the anti the 33 33rd degree or am i getting this no, no no different book okay um you, you're looking for it rob i think it's called the present war of the antichrist maybe okay so or- 
Look, this is a series of lectures that this bishop or cardinal goes and gives, and it's no, like the, I think it's the War of the Antichrist uh, with the Church and Christian Civilization. It's by Monsignor George Dillon, okay. edited by Joshua Charles. So Joshua Charles gives a brilliant foreword in the beginning. Uh, he's a convert. He's coming in, so he comes in. He he comes in twenty nineteen, right? Like right after Easter twenty nineteen. His first Easter is lockdown. And he's like, what is going on here? <laughs> and he's he finds this series of lectures by this Monsignor, and he's like, holy cow. Every single thing in these lectures. This is literally infiltration that is infinitely better sourced and written in the 1800s before it happens. So mm -hmm. it's like the, the the way he – like just like you read the – you know those clips from Pachendi and you just saw every single one of those things happen. This is what happens in this book that, that Joshua Charles just releases. It's really insane how every single thing they said would happen to upend the church. Now, you also have every pope from basically – Louis the uh, Leo the Thirteenth onward, warning about we're approaching the end times and we're approaching the time of Antichrist, including John Paul II and including Benedict. Mm -hmm. Yeah, with the, the, the only pope who doesn't talk about it is Francis. No, I know that's that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't see how anyone can read paragraph 38 of Pascendi, go down that bullet points, and just say. Dang, you know, that that's an interesting historical caveat of the 1910s. That's all it is. It's exactly what's going on today. And so what is the Synod? The Synod is the culmination of all of that. And so what begs the question is, if the Synod comes out and says, you know, okay, we're going to, as an example, we're not going to bless same-sex marriages, but we are going to at least bless same-sex unions because you know while it's not perfect at least the people love each other and maybe they love their children and so you know it's somewhere wait, 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 wait. we're gonna pull up what father matthew schneider said okay hmm. rob i'm gonna send you a picture um well, so what's ironic is it'd be about the only like right of blessing actually used in the novus ordo church okay rob i'm sending this on whatsapp hang on okay uh ba -ba 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 -ba. whatsapp Sorry, guys. <laughs> this is what you get on a Friday night when Anthony had a couple. <laughs> All right, so I just sent it to you, Rob. You guys need a Gen Z producer or something like that. 100%. My, my millennial the problem is not the producer here. No, it's me. The problem is his partner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, I'm just saying, you guys get a producer, and then you two can just be, you know, hanging out the whole time. Some guy over in the corner, you know, working his magic. I'm going to tell, well, okay, there's a couple of things. Like, if our show ever gets big enough, I might have to be talk in, in then, person. Though, Nick. We want to do in person. Like, I would, nothing would be like more fun to me than like sitting across from Rob and having yeah. these conversations and bringing right. another guest in. That'd be pretty cool. That'd be pretty cool. Wait, what I missed? Nothing. All right. So, yeah. So, that would be one thing. The other thing is uh, for everybody listening right now, I wanted to do an hour on YouTube and then a half hour on locals and Rob talked me out of it because it's a little tricky. So, but this is what we're that going sound to sound. Everyone is hears <clears throat> is of the bus that just ran me over. Yes. So, no, Rob, you were looking out for the audience. I wanted to charge everybody to watch the last half hour <laughs> and you told them, no, let's give it to them for free. But going <laughs> forward. So uh, we get five half hour segments 
on on locals every month until 15 more of you people join yes until we get 15 more uh locals uh subscribers so we're going to do five shows of uh, out of the month where we are going to stop in an hour and we're going to jump over to locals because we have to you guys have to help come on we put a lot into this show guys you got to support us come on we want to do this full time eventually so <clears throat> so not tonight but going forward that is going to happen all right so father matthew schneider hold on in person would look like pints with aquinas but with the horse head in the middle <laughs> it, would, it would be first off okay so i do like matt's show right like matt has these natural conversations but I don't, I don't know. Like, there's something more gritty about our show where it's like, I I feel like Matt is so safe. He's still I, to, to Matt. To Matt, I love Matt Fred. I, obviously, I can't believe my first interview on YouTube was with him. That's still something that I'm like, as I'm getting older, I'm like, what the heck did I sign up for? But yeah. I think, without making it sound disparaging, he he is a little bit in the normie world. Yeah. And you know, that's fine. You know I mean? Like he, he a little squishy. We're all kind of on our own path of like how quick we go up the escalator. And so it's like, so look though, but we can't, yeah. we also have to be careful because like, I don't know if I had 300,000 subscribers and we were on locals and I had a huge locals community that supports me. Like you don't know how you would handle that. So I don't want to like, I'm not judging that at all. Especially when it is, it is how you provide for your family. Hundred percent. I, I can see being more careful then. Yeah. So it's like I don't. I th- like personally. I think he's a little squishy on things, but I also think he's just trying to not cross any boundaries, right? Like he's he's yeah, being very yeah. He's being very careful to not not cross any lines, and he's just he's like, look, I want to make sure that everybody can enjoy my show, and I don't want to come off as a rad trap, and I don't want to come off as a as a you know, a, a fanatic in any way. So he's, he's playing it a little safe where I think our show is a lot more gritty and we're going to, ha- and I, and I think there's plenty of an audience for what we do and that we don't have to worry about staying so safe because I think a lot of people feel very, look, I really think the three of us are really the mainstream. No. Oh, yeah. We're saying what everyone's thinking. That's for sure. That's what, it, that's what it feels like to me. I feel like we're actually having the conversations people are thinking because Dude, it's getting crazy, right? Like, we're watching this. So now, all right, let's pull up Father Schneider, Father Matthew Schneider's tweet again. So he says, the church can't bless a sexual relate. Uh, oh, can't bless a sexual relationship outside of marriage. The church can bless a chaste relationship. If people Friendship. want the church to bless a relationship. Friendship. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, can can bless a, a chaste friendship. If people want the church to bless the relationship between two people of the same sex, there needs to be clarity. They mean the latter, not the former. So this is what you were just talking about, Nick, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like this is what the synod is playing around with. And, and now oh, you see, to, you, you see the guys starting to go, Oh, well, we can't, we can't bless same sex, but we can do this. Well, there, there is a, there is a little historical precedence there. Okay. There was a right called, I forget. I don't know the Greek. But uh, I think it there's one Wikipedia to, to entry brother that making. there's one Wikipedia entry. Well, of something. I know, I know. I, I, and of course, that's not how it would be used now. It was 100%. a way to cement alliances back in the it day. Never basically. had anything to do with these chaste no. homosexual. No, 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 no. no what no, they're trying all. to do now is very different. They're going to try to play it off like, no, 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 this is for the people who are trying to live chase. And it's going to just become same-sex blessings because we don't have a hierarchy who has any concern whatsoever for the truth. This is just you trying to get out of a a blessing of our friendship, isn't it? (laughs) 
my argument was this. So I all, all right. All so I actually had an argument. <laughs> I actually had an argument with somebody on Twitter today because they were like, So what? We have nothing to offer these people who live this way, who are trying to live a chaste relationship. Fair I point. said, What do you so we have we have eternal life to offer them? What are you talking about? We have nothing to offer them. He, he's like, well, all we have to offer them is loneliness and suffering. It's like, no, we have eternal life. Like, well, they gave they get graces from a blessing like that. No, what they get is confusion from a blessing like that. What they get is grace from the Eucharist and confession. Now, if you give this this little parenthetical hypothetical blessing to a couple who's living chastely you know that's not what not with this hierarchy man you have a hierarchy who has dethroned christ the king right nick what were we talking about in the green room before that you actually yeah, so i brought this point up which is is this if if no one has read this book you guys need to read this book so it's called they have uncrowned him by archbishop lefebvre from liberalism to apostasy the conciliar tragedy it's about 250 ish pages or so phenomenal book it mainly focuses in on religious liberty, but what his central point of his work is essentially that beginning with the 60s revolution up until this ultimate culmination, you see nothing more than the dethronement and the secularization of all of Western Christendom and of the entire church. And it all fundamentally, whether it's these issues when it comes to homosexuality, abortion, these ambiguities, the mass issue, it all comes back down to this one pivotal point which is is christ king or is he not it comes down to that like that's the really the, the one and only question and when we ask ourselves that question and we answer in affirmative christ is king then we will conform our lives to what he says it's like what he says in uh, our lord in luke chapter 6 verse 46 which he says like how can you call me Lord, Lord, if you do not do the things that I say, right? That's just ultimately clear. Yeah. It's like I said in the green room, I said, the fact that we're even having to ask these questions and debate these issues, that even the, for one second, just even bringing these things up goes to show me the lack of love toward the person of Jesus. Because it's like this. If we know that Christ has taught that homosexuality is something that is intrinsically sinful, yes, also a great book, is intrinsically sinful, that these issues are intrinsically sinful, etc. Then essentially, if we bring them up, it's like a person who is married and is starting to ask, hypothetically, if I was to cheat on my wife, could I maybe like say, well, you know, there was some, some, it was imperfect, but there was kind of a justification for it in this situational context. You know, could I situationally watch adult entertainment? I know it's not the ideal, but is it okay? If you start asking that and you're in a marriage, I need to ask you the question, do you love your wife? Do you love your husband if you're a woman, right? That's the question you need to ask. Well, why are we even asking these questions? We're not asking questions. Theology is the study of God and the mysteries of God. We're not asking deeper questions about the Trinity, about the Theotokos, about the Mass. We're asking questions like, should we give spaces to polyamorous couples? It's insane. Like what? First, of, first of all, I have, I have to just say, for anybody that never saw Nick before, like how great of an invite was tonight, right? Like this kid, how old are you? I'm just 25, but I'm just sitting here like, I, I, I just, I want to get I, married. I want to have kids. I want to have a wife. I want to have my kids go to mass each day and become saints. And I recognize that the only way that I can possibly do that is by shielding them from the one unique person that can lead the whole world to Christ. Like think about this, guys. The Pope is the one person on planet Earth that can uniquely lead the whole world to Christ. Okay, 
Is that happening? Of course, you will always have resistance, right? With the great popes, right? We could have Pope St. Pius Twelfth, right? Pope St. Pius Thirteenth, rather, show up and be a complete chad and just destroy all of the wickedness that's going on inside of the church. But we're not seeing that today. We're not seeing an, any concept of that going on at all. And what we need to understand fundamentally is this point. They don't care. Stop pretending that they care. If we really cared, why aren't we having debates on like, okay, is Mary the co-redemptrix? No, we're asking questions about polygamy. We're asking, so questions, we're asking questions like, can we somehow get around the natural law? It's like the kid who's just like- Our, our theology has devolved so much. Yeah, it's, it's anthropology. It's just yes. how can I ultimately self-serve my own based desires, based in the simple sense, and justify them and what makes me go unglued is the fact that we have people in the hierarchy and in Catholic media who say, you're insane for believing that. You have faculties? No, it's only the Pope who has reason. You you think something's going on? You must be a rad trad. You must be schismatic. Or, common one today, you're just a dissenter. I'm like, so— well, Luckily, we, there's, luckily there's a, a terror of dissenters out there to make sure that— Thrice charitable, most prudent— Yes, <laughs> he's got a lot of new ones. Anyway, all right, that's an inside joke. If nobody caught that, I don't know what to tell you. So, oh man, wait, you just said something that I was gonna <laughs> I had to throw my stupid joke in, and I totally derailed it. Send a hundred dollars. Yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it. I love you. Had a feel. You felt like you had to raise your hand. That is a first. No, ever. dude, I I wanted to say something so bad. Wait, uh. Oh man! Well, all right, just go back into it because <laughs> I, I'm just I'm just saying that what I don't understand is it's like for instance this like here's a good example of what I'm talking about. I'm going in two weeks right to Clear Creek Monastery to stay a month to over the course of that month read the whole Summa Theologiae cover to cover all three thousand pages and to do a documentary about it. That's the fruit of the Latin Mass because I'm like I want to know God. I want to understand what our faith is taught. I don't want to be given some type of justification for the world if i wanted this i'd go become a methodist that's, that's you know what i was gonna say okay okay so like talk about phariseeism right like what are they doing right now they are looking for loopholes to get around the letter of the law right so if you look to what christ actually condemns in the pharisees he says you all right so he what he's content condemning is he says you um, give away you you avoid stuff like judgment, love, mercy, these utter things the law, but you're focused in on tithing your spice cabinet, your mint, and your coriander. So, so what he was talking about, okay, so there was, I forgot what it's actually, I actually was just talking about to Father Dave Nix about this. Um, so they, they had a rule where, <clears throat> obviously the commandment says, honor thy mother and father, right? Mm -hmm. So when a, 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 a man's parents were getting older, so that he could get around paying for his parents, he would give his money to the temple as a donation and then withdraw it from the temple. So it's, he was able to get around the rule or the law, the commandment to honor thy mother and father. So what they're doing right now is they're trying to find a way to subvert the Christian teaching without, that's why I said in, in the green room, I said, I don't think you'll ever see Francis do something on paper. That's heretical. Never. You'll never see that. He's never going to come and sit ex cathedra and say, same sex relationships are the equivalent of marriage. He'll never do that. What he'll do is he'll find some wiggly footnote to throw in the exhortation that comes after this synod, just like he did with the Morris Letizia. He's going to find some way to wiggle around it so that in practice, the teaching is subverted, but in the letter of the law, it stays the same. So when you get these Pope splainers, when you get people 
I mean, I, I, I don't want to, I'm not even calling anybody specific guy. You know who they are, right? When they're sitting there and they're going, well, you got to give the benefit of the doubt. No, you should be appalled by the things that are happening. And by you sitting there and pretending these things are just accidental and pretending they're just imprudent, what do you do? If the entire body of Christ came together in unison and said, no, that is the census fidelium, not this nonsense going on at the synod, right? Like think about every one of these synod meetings that they had. They, I was never invited to anything because I would go there and disrupt the entire thing. Nick wasn't I, invited because Nick is way too coherent and specific in his intent when he speaks. I mean, Nick, you'd be way better at one of these things than me, but I would scare people. Well, you know, it, it's like at the end of the day, this is what I'm talking about. It, it Your cards are out based off of what you're talking about. I, I, do people actually think that one day we just woke up and instead of talking about like, you know, the deep things of divine simplicity, we're just all of a sudden talking about same sex marriages and things like that. Like, why are we even having this conversation? It goes to show that at the end of the day, fundamentally, again, this, you know where this comes from? I'm glad you brought up a Morris Letizia. Where this, all this stuff comes from, I'm going to blow your guys' mind with this. When you look at Vatican II's document, right, on, on the subject of ecumenism, it brings up the discussion of interfaith marriages, right? Now, go, I recommend everyone, if you want the full details, go watch the SSPX's video on um, interfaith marriages, it, it, if you want all the details. But short answer is this. When you look at the 1917 Code of Canon Law and all of the things, it was, it literally used the language of parish priest, you need to like put the terror of God into your parishioners to not do this. Like that's how, so there was some very small minor exceptions, but they were like in legit emergency cases. It was for the most part, terrorize these people into recognizing don't fall into this. Well, in Vatican II, you found that they said, well, you know, while it's not ideal, it is something that actually does show a lot of beautiful reality because you are seeing two people from different backgrounds come together. They love their child that same justification, right, in those paragraphs of Vatican II's document on ecumenism are in the same justification place in Amoris Laetitia. That became the seed that eventually became Amoris Laetitia, where it was like, well, it's not ideal that, you know, these people are divorced and civilly remarried, but, you know, they do love each other and they have raised these kids. It's not the ideal, but, you know, it's okay. This is going to be the same justification for same-sex. That they're stretching over into the same-sex union thing, right? Like, mm-hmm. So they're, they're saying like, okay, well, yeah, it's not the ideal, but you know, there are good fruits that come from it. So now when you see a same-sex relationship when they want to get married, at least they're not going and banging nine different people, guys. Yeah. Like that's literally what they're saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, oh, they're get- having orgies. This is a good thing. Yeah, you're like, like at least it's not bestiality, you know. I and that's the point. Like we've actually <laughs> that's next. Like we've gotten this, to this. How, how are we in? How is this Catholicism at this point? And then people will sit there and go, Calvin Robinson, why aren't you becoming Catholic? And I'm like, it's a sad day when we have to invite on Anglican prelates as the base priest quote unquote okay so when we can't even get okay, our so here's here's God. what's funny like I, all right so calvin robinson follows me on twitter now right and uh-huh. i'm like the temptation to because i've dm'd him too him and i have had dms and he um he actually fraternally corrected me on something and I, i'll tell you right now i took the lofton video down because of calvin robinson uh-huh. he's why i took the lofton video down so he fraternally corrected me and i and i said you know what i don't want to be that guy who's so stubborn i'm like all right fine um the the thing is though you're 100 right we're going to anglican clergy at this point in time 
because yeah. our own clergy is so like, l- listen, l- you, okay. We're going to touch on Strickland too. Right. So Strickland gets this apostolic visitation. I can't tell you how happy I am with this man. He, I, Rob, did you get the tweet? I sent you. Yeah, so look at WhatsApp yes. and, I, and I sent you a Strickland tweet. Just pull up that Strickland tweet. I told, first of all, I told everybody Strickland ain't going nowhere. He's not going anywhere because he's not some Puerto Rican bishop off in the middle of nowhere where all the other bishops hate him. So he writes, needs to, I've not seen this. This is hilarious. I, this is a straight up reaction from me. In a new interview with Info Vaticana, Archbishop Fernandez expresses an openness to same sex blessings if they don't feed confusion over the meaning of marriage between a man and a woman. Fernandez, Strictly, for anyone who doesn't know, is the new. CDF head. The new CDF pre- uh, prefect or whatever he is. Archbishop Fernandez needs to read Genesis 19, 15 through 29. The Lord God rained down sulfurous fire upon Sodom and Gomorrah and Romans 1. Pray that he returns to the Catholic faith. Dude. He is, he is whether he wants that position or not, he's in the same position as the Archbishop. I mean, you know what's so interesting? These people, listen, when I say he's America's Bishop, John Henry Weston coined that term, not me, okay? John Henry Weston started calling him America's Bishop. How is this man not America's Bishop? What other Bishop would stand up to the new CDF prefect and go, I hope he comes back to the Catholic? I mean, he's a mobster. It sounds like something I would say. That sounds like something I would say. Yeah, I pray he comes back to the... Listen, I don't know what you're doing out there, buddy. That's not Catholicism. And he's right. That's not Catholicism. And what's funny is, like, um, so you get the the set a twitter right and said he's like his val his ordination is invalid he's not it's like dude shut up you don't even know what you're talking about like bishop strickland has become a catacomb he's become a restrainer of evil he has become somebody who's put limitations on what francis is able to do because as long as we have men like strickland and even us guys i know everybody gets on us because of how annoying we are online videos like this where we're talking to the lady and people are saying no i won't put up with this like this is a line i won't cross you guys don't realize how important this is because even i saw mike lewis today saying that the the online stratosphere has put a damper and actually oh you know what i have actually have the tweet because joshua charles just texted me something about it um i wrote a tweet saying Okay, so Mike Lewis said, Winters is on to something here. I think critics may have tanked the odds that the Synod will have a significant positive short-term impact on the U.S. church. Great job, guys. But these are the same gripes they've been repeating for three years. So I wrote... Actually, the significant positive short-term impact is that people are waking up and realizing that Christ's church is being hijacked. I've seen more conversions under Francis, more conversions from Francis shock than I ever did under Benedict. Francis is awakening the remnant. So you you'd never see guys like Strickland doing what they're doing unless you had a Francis. Because what happens is when you start getting heresy and non I'm not saying Francis Eric. I'm just saying like when you start getting this heterodoxy you also get men who say they put their foot down and they they stand their ground yeah and and notice how that you know what's so interesting is that we're getting to live through this live but this is exactly this is nothing new this is exactly what Archbishop Lefebvre was saying from the get-go in the 1970s because I mean picture this right you grow up in the age of Pius X, Pius XI, Pius XII. You're, you're used to just all these like really amazing popes. And then everything goes unglued to where all of a sudden, you know, seminarians are communist. 
There's wickedness here, there, and everywhere. Religious orders are closing. A new rite of mass has been made in union with Protestants is being enforced down. And so many trads now, we're kind of like catching up and kind of going through all those things in like the abstract hypothetical world. But the man's living through it. We're essentially knowing to a degree what it feels like to be Archbishop Lefebvre. But we need to actually ask ourselves the question. This is, this is something I want to encourage the viewers with. So what do you do when this stuff comes out? Because we have to understand on the first hand, going back to what you said, Anthony, on uh, the church will not be overcome, Christ's promise. We first have to understand that the CDF, right? The whole I still call it the Holy Office. <laughs> I'm, I'm old school. Um, the Inquisition. Office. Yeah. <laughs> it um, used to be the Inquisition. We have to recognize that first and foremost, though it is an arm of the church, it is not instituted by Christ, right? Because it came about in the 16th century. So, so it's not infallible. To, yeah, we have to understand that. But the second thing we have to understand, and this is the practical reality, is what are you going to do when this synod is over and most of these things are passed? What are you going to do? I really think that the time is going to, that this Senate is going to show who are the wolves and who are the sheep. And I think that this is what everyone needs to do. My advice is for everyone. And I'm not trying to say this to be partisan. I'll explain. I think everyone seriously needs to consider moving to, if you're able to near an SSPX chapel. And the reason I say that is because let's be honest. Um, what I hope and pray is that if they try to push a lot of this stuff, we're going to see the religious orders rise up, like the Dominicans, the Benedictines, just rise up and say, we can't do this. This is enough. We might have that happen, but we also very well may not have that happen at the same time. And we might see this stuff implemented here, there, and everywhere with all of these theological gobbledygook interpretations and justifications. But we do know one order in the church that is just not going to go along with this. And that's the place you want to raise your kids. That's the place that you want to. Okay. So, so, all right. So there's, there's a couple of things we have to touch on here because we know the office of the papacy will endure to the end. Right. But that doesn't mean you won't get anti-popes in the meantime. It doesn't mean anything like that, but the office of the papacy will endure. The sovereignty of the kingdom will not pass to another people. Okay. Mm -hmm. So if you, if you look in Daniel, like it talks about the kingdom will have no end and that like our sovereignty will not pass to another people. But this uh, base, base, base. everyone, everyone from chat starts planning a move to Kansas. Well, actually, you know what, guys? We're gonna go over to locals now. We'll finish the real part. <laughs> <I'm just kidding>. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to happen next time. I'm just telling you guys. So go subscribe to our locals. You got 106 people in here. You guys are not that cheap. We're the best show on Catholic YouTube. Stop playing around with us. What, anyway, what, so- is, it? what is this? No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Nick, you're gonna be part of our crew when we finally get this thing moving. We're gonna do in studio the three. You're gonna join the team. Um, so, um, I think, okay. So, okay. So the, the sovereignty will not pass to another people. The papacy will endure. I really think you are going to see a separation of the wheat from the chaff coming up soon. Like you're going to see that. Okay. So if you really, I, I really see this typologically, I gave, look, everybody probably in the, in this audience saw my talk, right? I really see this as a typological fulfillment of what happened in the first century. Now, if you really understand what happened, (laughs) Don's proud of me. (laughs) So if you really understand what happens in the first century, you're talking about uh, the, the first Christians are Jews. They're worshiping in the temple, right? You have a schism. That's what happens. That first, like there's a schism and the Christians break away from 
the hierarchy, the heretical hierarchy of that time. So I'm not saying we have to leave the hierarchy of our time. I'm saying there, there's going to be a tough decision that comes up. Now, it's not going to be easy to distinguish because God, Jesus even says in Matthew 24 that even the elect will be fooled if possible, right? So this isn't going to be just so simple. So when I see people just going Pope's plane, Pope's plane, Pope's plane, no, you have to stay by friend. Like, I really think that it's, these people are being conditioned to accept compromise. Mm -hmm. They're being conditioned to accept compromise. It's like, oh, well, as long as we're with the Pope, it doesn't matter if we accept these same-sex blessings. Like, you're insane. There is a line. Compromise. There is a line that, and to me, that line is if there's a rainbow flag on a church, that is a church of Satan. That is literally what that is at that point. So don't tell me that if there's a there's a rainbow flag flying at the Vatican, that that's still the Catholic church. It's just not. So I don't know how it's going to play out. And I'm, and I'm look, I think anybody, like even the Setes, I think they're too dogmatic. I think even the Mike Lewis's, they're too dogmatic. I think all of us need to have humility. All of us need to say, okay, I don't know. Like, I'm not 100% convinced how this You have to have humility because anybody who's so certain they know what's going on, you're going to be flipped on your head when you realize because you don't know prophecy. You don't understand how prophecy works until it's fulfilled. Like, you just don't grasp it. It doesn't make sense. So we can see these foreshadows and these types and we could get an idea of what it might look like but it's going to be very tricky and all of us need to have a very humble heart and just say god wherever you want to lead me i will go i don't care if it looks like i'm doing the wrong thing if that's where you lead me i will go there yeah no i fully agree i think that that's why i think you actually mentioned it rob on one of the shows a while back but uh i think anthony asked the question like what what is the essentially the line in the sand that has to be crossed where you know you start taking drastic actions and i've asked myself that question because it's kind of it's like this i i have the benefit of really studying a lot of old school catholic theology which in general sense is very ultramontane in the way that it formulates things because it never yeah. ever predicted anything like nothing this. like this like and that's why when people go back to you know a 1930s manual which i love but then try to somehow like get that to line up with everything that's going on today. Like you're just out of, out to lunch. Um, but what we need to, I think ask the question is what are we going to do about this when it happens? Are we humble enough to ask some very uncomfortable questions? And I think that Catholic YouTube has gotten very comfortable in the place where we can, on the one hand say Christ promise, but then on the other hand say, look at how bad things are going, you know? And I think we need to finally get to a place where we ask, actually ask even tougher questions in a public setting, like how can a Pope, and I'm not saying this to justify instead of vacantism, because I, I, I think the, the theory leads to so many problems, so many, so problems. many problems. It, it, it's not a solution for anyone who's out there. Set of vacantism is not a solution. And here's, here's nope. just a brief answer. Why? <laughs> Look, it, it's, it's, it's a simple, <clears throat> you cut him off. Oh, he's it's- good. It's his show. <laughs> So it doesn't matter. We're just talking. I always do this, but it's just, a, it's a simple answer to a complex problem that doesn't work. There's too many things. Like you said, there's just, there's too many things that come up. It's like, okay, well, what about the, like you need a literal intervention where God comes down from heaven and says, okay, here's your next Pope to fix it. And that's come on. Yeah, that's it ridiculous. falls apart because what happens is, is if you assert, aside from the fact that it, it questions some very some legit dogmatic stuff like that the papacy shall endure to the end of time. Aside from the fact that it does that, what you find is that if you assert that the 
Pope is heretic and outside of the church. Um, and at the same, what, where you end up having to get to is you have to get to the place where it's not just the Pope's defected, but the see of Rome is defected, the entire see, because there's no bishops that have are still around from the days of Pius XII, which if there's no bishops, there's no Pope, there's no ordinary or extraordinary, there's no ordinary jurisdiction, there's no sacraments. I mean, it's essentially all reduced down to one thing. And, but this goes to show you on the flip side, how dangerous what we're talking about is because it's like, okay, if you have a guy now in the driver's seat who is leading the whole church, but in a direction, which is going to, you know, go off the cliff, then you have to ask the question, okay, what are we going to do about it? And I don't know the answer in a lot of ways, aside from what I've recommended, which is I think that what people need to do is they need to like legitimately consider moving because, because because, yeah, near a chapel because, or ideally a priory, just because we are kind of getting to this point where a lot of priests who maybe don't agree with what's going on, Again, this is speculation, but I'm afraid are just going to go along with it because it's like it's my job. I have to, you know. Yeah, so dude, the, the obedience thing is crazy. You see, look, look, you see it in the bishops and you see it in the laity, right? It's like this thing. It's like <clears throat> we've been trained so hard from the the Protestant Reformation to go. Oh, wait, 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 you can't do what Martin Luther did. He went and started his own church. We're not talking about starting our own church. And and when I hear people compare Luther to Lefebvre, it really gets like Fowler does that all the time. And I'm like, Jake, this is not a this is not an apt co- comparison. It's just not. Luther was changing doctrine and all these things. Like Lefebvre saw something going on that was like not normal, right? So. Okay, wait, Nick, did you ever look into the Benny Plenis theory? Did you ever like do any real research into it? I did do some serious research into it because I had a, a person that I know who was very much so a proponent of that. And he was throwing all of the essential classical arguments that you hear um, the different the, – because, you know, Benny Plenis and the thing is is that, you know, the main hosts of that, you know, Patrick Coffin and others, they all differentiate in certain ways. So I went and researched a lot of that. But the problem that I came up with Benny Plinism was twofold. One, it just seemed to me to be something that if Benedict has come out post and said, I abdicate, then it's just like, I'm not really going to be so hardcore on this letter of the law that this absolutely must be a thing. You know, there has to be, a, there, there are other theological principles you see, for instance, laid out in Bellarmine, which is like, if all the bishops of the world see this man as the Pope, then he is the Pope. But then the other problem I thought was this, and I don't know how spicy this opinion is, but for the people who are wanting Benedict to be the Pope, I honestly think that there is at least an argument to be made that that doesn't solve anything, but actually makes it worse because it's kind of like this. If Benedict is the Pope, then the Pope has no power. There's a usurper just running about these things. And the fact is, is that at least when you compare him to Pius X and other preconciliar popes, for all the good that Benedict does, and I want, and I want to give him his credit, he is still fairly liberal in comparison to preconciliar popes, right? And the the issue, and he does, you know, he he's not a Thomist, and that is a problem, right? Because it, once you start really getting out of the world of scholasticism, you start to get into some issues. And so I think that they, I, I think it doesn't work. But now, of course, it's a dead theory because it's like. What's the difference? Yeah, and and to me, uh, my biggest issue was, okay, so if Benedict was the Pope, like what kind of a father allows his family to be 
abused and raped and like like what kind like who does that allows that and sits back and watches it and doesn't say anything you know but it's it, it look it's it's like i i regardless of francis's validity he has full juridical authority over the church mm-hmm. like he has the ability well what's funny about it is so like even the coffin thing like um coffin was saying like oh no none of the cardinals that bergoglio brought up are going to be legit car- but what's what was weird is every time he had a consistory he brought those cardinals to benedict and benedict blessed them all it's almost like he needed benedict's approval for every one of those cards it was a weird thing that happened there, there i'm not a benny i'm not a benny plenis but i thought that was interesting and then also there is like i see it almost like paul the sixth laying down his papal tiara i also kind of see benedict laying down his office as like a, a a a way of the catacomb, like like Peter laying down his sword in the garden, and you know after he cuts off Malchus's ear, he lays down his sword, and Jesus says, "What whatever, let Peter let what's going to happen happen." And it's almost like Benedict said, "Okay, you know what? I'm just gonna. This is all happening around me. It's under the surface. Just whatever's gonna happen, let me just let it happen." Yeah, and it's like do you guys remember a significant that? part of the passion. Yeah, do you guys remember that video? I remember watching this as a non-Catholic actually back in the day. Um, when that, that video of, I think he, Pope Benedict was visiting Germany and all those bishops are just dissing him, not shaking yeah. their hands. same bishops that are around today with their schismatic way. And what is so interesting to me is that we've gone, all this was under the surface. This thing, I think what I think ultimately is that when Benedict resigned, this blew the bottle cap open and it's only been blowing up more and more of allowing people to come out of the woodwork right? That were kind of cruising, if you will, under the surface in the JP2 era and, and the Benedict the 16th era to now just fully come out and just be like, oh, there's a bunch of heresy, right? We're going to, we're going to spew our heresy. I mean, just think about this for a second, you guys, we've gone from Pius the 12th, right? 50 plus years ago, who has theologians around him, like far, father Garrett, Reginald Gary Garrett, Lagrange. we have Lagrange, we have these great Thomas. And now we're actually asking James Martin to show up to the Vatican and get on the train and do all of these things. Right. Um, yeah, he did get a 10. I was actually kind of noticing that to my <laughs> earlier. Um, but I mean, how do we go from the days of Pius XII and Gary Lagrange to a synod of synodality where we have a man who even the conservative Catholic world calls out right to their credit. But I mean, are they going to call out this? I mean, are they just going to say, well, it's just imprudent. Maybe, you know, we don't understand. They'll, they'll, they'll blame us. They'll say, well, you have a hermeneutic of suspicion. My friends, the sin of suspicion <laughs> is judging someone based off of slight things. Is this slight what we're talking about? Yeah, look, look, Steve, Steve Cunningham is in the chat and Steve doesn't like when anybody discusses these things either. Right. But it's like, dude, like. I can tell you what brought me back to the church. What brought me back to the church was a conversation between Taylor Marshall, Tim Gordon, and Patrick Coffin. And the show was called Red Pilled on Francis because I leave the church during a Morris Letizia because I lose my mind. I'm like, this doesn't make sense. I don't know. But hearing other Catholics voice their concern and saying, hey, this is problematic. Like, like if I if nobody would have done that, I think I would have lost my mind. I would have thought I was going crazy. I would have been like, this is not catholicism anymore so i don't think look and i also think that there have been anti-popes in the past and i think that there was a time when wasn't it uh it was 
St. Catherine of Siena and what was it? Um, St. Ferrer, and it was the era of the Avignon papacy. Right. And there's two different claimants to the Pope, and one of them picked the wrong one. So I don't. So I saw Trent Horn posted today, and he goes, Are you really Catholic? Do you think Francis is the Pope? I have no opinion on the validity of Francis's papacy. None. I don't have an opinion because it doesn't matter to me. He has the full juridical authority over the church. If, I mean, I don't know what I would have to do to submit to him. I mean, I'm not in, I, I think, I think it's a well, weird thing that they say to you where it's like, well, do you submit to Francis's magisterium? It's like, have, well, what is he, what is he asking more, me to do? They have more of a concern that we follow man-made canonical positive law proceedings then the fact that the hierarchy is talking about getting a rid of the natural law of Almighty God, which the natural law is nothing more than the participation of man in the eternal law of God. This is this this is why I'm saying like I don't understand this. We have to understand that every the, what is a law? A law is supposed to direct us to a certain end, right? A law is a principle that is according to reason for the common good, promulgated by he who has uh, just and uh, lawful authority. Well, okay, if a law is supposed to direct us to a common good, to an ultimate end, ultimately to have union with Christ, then can we really say that we should be debating on, yeah, what level of submission should we have to this particular statement of this magisterial document that's come out by this random Roman congregation? Or should we ask the question, should the church submit to the law of God? Yeah. To the law of her master that— as scripture said, what's it, what's like, it like as a Protestant coming in? Like, I, I really, so like, I'm a cradle Catholic, right? So like, this is, okay. this is in my DNA. Like my, when I tell you, like you were talking about guitar masses earlier, my dad played the guitar for the music ministry. My mom was a Eucharistic minister. <laughs> it's like, this was in my DNA growing up. So like, I know nothing but this, but to come in as a Protestant and, and see like you know, this is the true faith because you read you read it in the fathers and you saw it all. Like, do you see this as apocalyptic? Do you see this as just another crazy papacy that will get through and everything will readjust? Do you see this as the passion of the church that it needs to? Like, I see this as the passion of the church. The only way this gets fixed is if this church dies, so a resurrection can occur. That's a great question. So the one benefit that Protestantism gave me was a love for the Bible. And there and, and and this is, you know, I don't believe in sola scriptura. But to its credit, at least someone who's only raised with the Bible and actually reads it, right, gets to understand the book. At which most Catholics, right, there is the the true stereotype that, you know, if I was to ask, hey, pull up Genesis one, you'd probably have most Catholics flipping through their Bible vigorously trying to find Genesis. I try to one. break that stereotype because <laughs> I love scripture. Dude, honestly, you you in my mind you have because the you've been quoting scripture tonight and it's great. Um <laughs> but, but when I when I look at the clean the clean and pure words of God and I compare them to what's going on now, all I can say is there's a tendency in me to be fully transparent and open with the audience. There's a tendency in me where I ask myself the question we've all been asking but aren't wanting to ask, which is just one, is this the Pope? And then two, is this the church? Right. We have to ask that question. And as, and as I've wrestled with this question, you know, oftentimes we get into the arguments of East versus West. And what I find that's interesting about this is that on the one hand, the West and the East, they both have very interesting arguments. They both, in my opinion, have a strength and a weakness. 
on the one hand, the strength of the, the, the East is that it's like, yeah, if some, if a Bishop's a heretic, you just call him a heretic and then you just break off like, okay. But the problem though, <laughs> the, the weakness is that it sometimes gets down to what does your parish priest say about contraception or something where it starts to really break down. You're like, okay, this is ridiculous. On the flip did you, side, did you, did you really look into the East before you became Catholic? You, I, I did. Yeah. I looked a lot into the East. Um, I honestly credit a lot of my understanding of the East going back to not just what I read from Eastern uh, Orthodox writers, but also Eric Ibarra, right. To his credit, he's a, I honestly think a, a brilliant thinker in the way that he's handled because he he recognizes that it's not just so black and white in the fathers that it is there is some gray that needs to be hashed out and really dive down into that's why his books are you know like 1500 pages or something um but then on the west the west's great strength is the fact that we have the papacy that we have these offices that can say this is what we believe this is what we don't believe but the problem is on the flip side what happens when the head becomes questionable, yeah. right? There's some legit issues. And so this is where I think this that, hasn't and, been a question until now. That, yeah, I mean, in fairness, all, all of the, all of the discussions in the past amongst theologians, whether they be Cajetan, Bellarmine, John of St. Ptolemus, mm-hmm. Boulart, whatever, they've all been basically on the question of a heretical Pope. They've always been abstract. They've always been like, hypothetically, what would happen if this was to happen? Because, you know, as a theologian living in a monastery, you have a wife and kids, you're asking questions all day long. You're trying to figure out the answers to these things. And that's the thing. This still, these positions are still technically in the abstract theory world. They're in what we call probable opinions. You can hold to either, you know, Bellarmine or another position and be completely fine and Catholic. But how I look at this as a, as a person who loves the scriptures is I see that this is nothing more than, um, the Laodicean church, right? The people who've lost their first love, they just, I mean, I just, I mean, Christ is so clear in John 14. If you love me, keep my commandments. Yeah. He that does not love me does not keep my father's commandments. So, so clear. So, so we're going to have um, Jay Dyer on next week oh, or the week okay. after, right? So I look, mm-hmm. I like Jay. Like I, first off, I, uh, I like his, I like his personality. I think he's a very interesting guy. I think like I, I like a brawler, right? So like I don't get offended. Like if me and Jay get into it, like I'm not gonna be offended by something he says. Like uh-huh. to me, when I see East versus West, I think like and, and I I've heard the East brush this argument off, but it's like when I see that the Western church is who evangelizes the world. The Western yeah. church is able to call a council and they're able to hammer out some of these problems, right? Like I, I really see that as, and especially like when I listen to Jonathan Peugeot, he's always talking about hierarchies and things like that. And it's like, dude, you, you talk about the kingdom and the hierarchy. Like how do you not level it up to the prime minister? Like mm-hmm. the, the Pope is the prime minister of the hierarchy. And when I, but I do think the East has some beautiful spirituality. I do think they're the only church uh, the only other Christian church that understands holiness. Yeah. When right? you, see, so, you see their priests who are, I, I've been seeing these images over the last couple of weeks, like they're marching arm and arm against these pride festivals and yeah. in Eastern countries. They're, they're, they're doing all these types of things. And meanwhile, like you see a lot of Novus Ordo priests donning the, the, the rainbow, you know, the rainbow <laughs> colors and, and going along with that. that. That's why I'm like, what I think we're going into, and I'm not a, I, I'm not a theologian. I, I, I tell people go read the books yourself. But where I think we are is we're in a very dark place that 
no one has the answers to. And we're looking for some father figure with a torch to say, come here, because it's just in the middle of nowhere. Nick, should the lady spend time worrying about the Pope? If it wasn't for mass media, social media, we wouldn't know half of what the Pope says. We should be worried about evangelization. Okay, so Nick, I'll let you answer that, and then I have something to answer. I have my own. Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I would say yes in one sense, no in another. So no in the sense that I don't think it should, like, black pill you and destroy your faith and then just have you, you know, become an atheist or something. But yes in the sense that it should worry you because, again, this is – it's like this. If the president does something bad – even if it's just the president, even if you don't know about it, it is something that is still going to affect you in some form or fashion, right? And it can it affects you physically. But when it comes to the Pope, this will affect all of us spiritually because the mystical body of Christ doctrine, whatever we do, right? Even if anyone, it's like this, if any one it's of like us- cancer sins, in the church. Yeah, if any one of us sins, it will affect us in some way, whether it's like lack of grace coming from heaven, lack of merits coming from somebody- so if the Pope is the one person that can uniquely lead the whole Church of Christ to heaven is not teaching the faith and is, in fact, going counter to the faith, then we are all going to be affected by it. Because the question is, is how is heaven going to respond? Like, we actually have to ask the question, how does God feel about all this? And how is he going to respond? So, okay, so let's look to the past to understand that, right? How did God respond when the Israelites worshipped idols? Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean to play it off like Pachamama wasn't idol worship. It's just I'm just not playing that game. It was. It was. It was playing around with that, right? So what you just said about having a father figure, like we're desperate for a father figure right now. So okay, so Paul, I would say you shouldn't be harping on what's going on in Rome. Your, your spiritual life, especially if you're somebody who, <clears throat> like, okay, so if it causes despair, get off the internet, get off of all these sites, forget it, just worry about your faith and becoming a saint. For guys like us, it's like, I, w- I do want to know what's going on in Rome. I do want to know what, the f- what our father is up to, right? Um, but... I find out it doesn't black pill me. I'm not, what it does is it's been giving me a little bit of vigor to make sure that I catechize my children better because I know they're not going to get it at church a lot of the times. Um, so, and, and also, okay. So you also ask, we should be worried about evangelization. Now, how do you evangelize when, when the Pope is countering your message, right? Cause like the classic understanding. So, uh, Eric Sammons wrote the book, The Old Evangelization, because something changed in the way we evangelize after the council. It's like the old evangelization, believe it or not, the liturgy had a very big part of it, right? When we would yeah. go to a new a new place, our ceremonies, our ritual would convert hearts because it was so striking. And it was like, it led to curiosity. It's like, what are they, what are they doing? Our processions. Yeah, like the, the the mystery of making the catechumens leave the liturgy before the mass of the faithful. Like these things actually had an effect on people. And when they stop doing those things, and when we start talking about uh, ecumenism instead of evangelism, because the new evangelization in, in essence is ecumenism. And ecumenism in, in its right form should be speaking to other cultures to bring them into the Catholic faith. And what it has become is dialoguing with these other faiths and trying to 
what what is the word for that? It's um uh where where you're not you're not enculturating, you're actually incorporating it into like yeah, like, it's I, like you're bringing into your faith something that's foreign. Yeah, I forgot the word for it. There's something to it, but it's it's like you're actually perverting the Catholic faith at that point. So it's hard to say like, oh, we should just be worried about evangelism. Of course, be worried about evangelism. I don't ever waste a conversation anymore. <clears throat> I used to like hang out with guys at work and I would just chit chat. Now every conversation I have has purpose and I'm always trying to lead these guys who I know they're talking about the rainbow stuff and they're like, oh, this is crazy. This is great. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm trying to balance that and bring them into focus and get them to see that this is what happens when a culture leaves their God. It's good to know that there's base people above the Mason Dixon line. That's for sure. (laughs) (laughs) I sent to you, Rob, a link um, in the, in our private chat. Uh, It's a book that every person should go and buy. It's from Angelus press, but it's not. Uh, It's called Iota Unum. It's like 700 pages. It's honestly a pretty, it's, it's somewhat of a hefty read, but it's a work that everyone should consider doing. And the reason this is this, it's a work that was written by a gentleman who was an assistant to one of the council fathers right at Vatican II. And all he does is he compares what do the popes and the Roman congregations say pre-council and what do the Roman congregations and the popes say post-council. He does nothing but cite papal stuff. That's all he does. And he comes to the conclusion that there has been a fundamental shift and change. And even in something that you pointed out, Anthony, when it comes to just um, evangelization and dialogue, he talks about this subject. He talks about how the Roman congregations, specifically after, and he, he shows Observatorum Romanum, he shows through the documents, they specifically said, we're no longer going to have evangelization where we're going to try to convince people of the Catholic faith, where we're going to try to disprove their faith. We're going to, we're just going to sit, we're going to listen, we're going to dialogue, we're going to learn from one another. You know, we're going to basically break bread and that's it. That's just exactly how it's been. And Francis is nothing new. This is just the ultimate colonization of what's been going on for the past 60 years. I want to answer that real quick, Rob. So um, I do want to say this. Okay, so a couple of things. First off, um, Paul, Paul, real quick. If if you guys – we actually – Not using Discord. So we played around with this. Like I think maybe we will do that. Maybe we'll release a phone number on Locals. That our local supporters will let you guys call in because I, I really think people want to add to this conversation. And I, I understand comments are cool and stuff, but I would love to hear just like a person who thinks they have something to add to the conversation be able to call in. So, Rob, we're going to have to, we'll talk about that in the green room afterward. Um, VS asked, okay, so what did I, okay, so guys, I have a very big advantage over most people. I'm in He's a willing vehicle. to watch and movies while he drives. <laughs> He's not wrong. <laughs> I'm in my vehicle for 14 hours a day, right? So I actually get to do like very deep Bible studies and stuff. So a lot of it is from the St. Paul Center. I mean, I don't, I don't care what trads say about scott Hahn. i have a deep love for that man he's been a spiritual father to me he taught me more about scripture than anybody could ever have and a lot of the uh and, and so like really just listening to a lot of different scott Hahn talks he has he has um series where he goes through the entire gospel of matthew the entire mm-hmm. gospel of john and learning those things and seeing typology has literally lit my heart on fire. I mean, if you guys go back and watch our Danielic Mystery series, the parts one and part two, the part two, I shared just one of those with you guys. But going through the Gospel of John 
is one of the most incredible things I've ever done, where you actually go through line by line, seeing how when John talks about um, in the beginning was the word, he's actually bringing you back to Genesis. Mm -hmm. And he actually goes through it and and then he says the next day and the next day. And he's showing you through the days of creation. And then he says on the third day, and then you're at the wedding of Cana. That brings you to the seventh day. And you're seeing Mary is the new Eve and Christ is the new Adam. Like really, if you guys don't do studies like that, it's it, it'll be very difficult for you guys to ever really grasp the depth that there is in scripture. And that is the basis of our Catholic faith is scripture. So it's yep. like, don't let Protestants take scripture from us. Like that is our book. And you will see nothing but Catholic theology in there once you understand how to read it properly. Wow. Um, He's the goat. He's the and, goat. And yeah, I, I, I think <clears throat> like if we ever get the opportunity to talk to him, I'm, I'm going to give you guys the best show you ever had. I, so. I had him on, I had him on mine a while back. He's, a, he's a phenomenal person. He's one of those people that you talk to and you're like, I'm talking to his name. So you're a convert. So he has a soft heart to convert. So if he hears you're a convert, he'll, he'll give your number. He'll give his number to you, but I'm a cradle Catholic. So I get shunned, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no. So we should, that Rob, we should definitely look into doing like a, a some kind of a call in format. Nick, do you have to run or anything? Because my wife's not home tonight, I can hang all night. Like I'm good right now. Rob, you I wonder why you wanted to start with an hour and a half show. Well, th- there's hope. Is hope mad at we you? Are gonna, we are going, we're going to do not this until we get a new pope. So call, <laughs> call your bishops, call your priests, I'll, uh, call your representatives. Tell them well, we're having a vote now. We're going to we're going to do live stream until we get a new pope. Now, L- listen, I'm I'm being honest. My wife's not home, Rob. So if you do have to fly, just let me know. But Hope's mad at you, she said. <laughs> That's because she wants to go out and have a cigar. She's waiting <laughs> Tell for her to have with you in here. Tell her to come on screen. Um, <laughs> did I Honestly, this is one of the most fun, natural conversations I've had in a while. Like, uh, Nick, you, I love you, dude. Like, you have no idea. I, I could talk to you all night, man. So, Oh, so I'm you'll hoping, go get a blessing with him, huh? I would. I might. <laughs> look, Rob. I know I said this this relationship will never end, but I might, you know. <laughs> that's, um, that's another thing. Like, um, uh, Nick, my son Nick was talking to me today about you. And he's, like, me? Yeah. He, he's, he's like, you guys are just like so different. I don't get it. Like, I hear that all the time. <laughs> that is fair. Like, that is fair. Hey, and you know, hey, I didn't even mention this earlier, but, you know, like my mom, she's because of the Latin mass, she's going, she's wanting to go to adoration. She's wanting to learn about the rosary. She's wanting to learn about these things. But I got to say, she does like your guys' show. She's, she's peeked in and she, she get out of here. Really? First of Phil, like I, I, I feel bad just passing over something like this. Like guys, you don't understand the gratitude from us when you guys throw a dollar or two dollars. Like, honestly, like I'm, I had, I have been taking cold showers for four days now because my oil burner broke. <laughs> That's what you call liberal Yankee. Get out of that state. Come down to Texas. Dude, I have to get out of New York. You don't understand. This whole this whole thing is there's, – there's so many different uh, angles to this show that have been – first off, I, I, I live in New York, and there's, there's a very small Catholic population. I have a couple of genuine friends from church. Don is one of them. Like Don is my friend. Like a real life friend, Don and I text and we talk, and he's always in the show. He's been such a great supporter. He like it, it and I've been friends with Don since before the show. Um, but if it wasn't for this show, like 
Rob is legit my best friend now. I, I've I've met mm-hmm. so many good people through doing this. And like, I don't do, where would I have this conversation? Right. Like there, I can't have this with anyone in my day to day life. Who There's the no heck way. am I having this conversation with? And it's like to, to actually sit here and have it and, and have other people be able to sit in and listen in on it. And we try to share as many comments from the audience as possible because it's yeah, Nick, we're all dying to know about the banjo. I want to hey, hear you. Hey, like, before the end of the show, you're breaking it out. Send a hundred dollar super chat. You got it. <laughs> are, are you saying we have to share that with you? Or? Well, I'll Nick, give you, awesome. you know, I'll, I'll do a Vatican tax. I'll give you guys like a small, small portion. I'll take <laughs> the when, Nick's Pence. Is that what we're going to call it? Nick's Pence. <laughs> okay. okay. So I like little gems like that, that Rob drops. In. <laughs> like, he drops little gems in sometimes that make me pee in my pants. Um, this is this is just such a um, a fun thing for me to do. So my son was saying, like we were talking about the show earlier. My son's like, Dad, you're just like because I, I wake up at four a.m. Thank God tomorrow's Saturday. Like the reason I could go late tonight is I don't have work tomorrow. Tomorrow we're having our going away party for my sister Chrissy, who's becoming a passionist nun. So we're having her going away party tomorrow. She doesn't leave for another month or so, but we wanted to make sure we got the entire family together to make sure they got to say goodbye to her. Because once she leaves, the only people that will probably see her is me and my brother Joey and my mom. So it's it, – but just this whole experience has been such a, a, a blessing in my life that I get to – because you guys – like a lot of people are like, oh, Anthony, how do you know so much? Like this info has been bottled in my mind. With nobody to talk to about for a very long time, <laughs> and you it's so all refreshing. Should be very thankful that you do oh, not have is. him texting you and calling <laughs> you. <laughs> no, like she legit is because no, I would no, try to I'm talk talking to her. everyone, everyone in the audience. They should all. But I would try to talk to Nicole about this stuff, and she would just be like, "Oh my god." <laughs> Like, oh, Anthony, I don't know what you're talking both, about. All of you, both of you two need to move out of your blue states. Come to Rob's Texas. not in a blue state. Yes, I am. Minnesota. Are you? Minnesota's blue? Yeah, you're in the country. It's, 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 Minnesota, you know what's interesting? Minnesota and Texas, we could not have had a more different legislative session this last yes. legislative Like Texas, bro, we banned puberty blockers. We banned trans surgeries. We banned, uh, we banned most drag shows. We still have a little bit of work left to do there, but we like banned most of those. We have no abortion. It's completely outlawed in the state. Come to Texas. Yeah, it's a, it's it's. Uh, I want nothing more than get to get the heck out of New York. I hate living here. I mean, we, yeah, we, I'm such, I'm send a hundred dollars super chat, and I will play the banjo, and we will. I will play. Oh my gosh, Nick! It just happened. happened. Holy! Are you kidding me? <laughs> You were really hoping, weren't you? When people do stuff like this, like I want to tear up. Like I'm guys, I am legit so grateful for stuff like that. Like that's like heartwarming. But Nick, you're Uh, playing the banjo, bud. (laughs) So let me let me get my good banjo because this is this one is just all right. But I'll grab my good banjo. Just give me a second. I'll I'll play something. I do want to know, like, um. Don says someone has had more to the drink than I have. Um, <laughs> go ahead, Nick. Get your banjo. Me and Rob will banter while you do it. Um, my legit one. Yeah, go ahead. Do you think? Like the first off, I think this whole conversation has been like a, a really fun. Like I'm so glad I asked Nick. I asked Nick to come on the last minute. 
every, every time he comes on, it's just fun, right? I mean, well, number one, I learn lots of stuff, but number two, he's just fun to talk to. Dude, he's so smart. He's such a dude. He's twenty five. He's like you if you had gone, you know, finished high school and then college. <laughs> In <laughs> lofty like, accent and learn to talk and spell. Dude, and- he's so smart. And he's like, he's just like, he, like, just never, like, I know if I pause, he'll, he'll jump right in. Like, there's yeah. never a time where, like, there'll be a second of that air. He's such a great guest to have on, man. Like, and I, I, I just, I'm so inspired to see, like, a young person have that kind of fire for the face. Right, like dude, dude, at twenty five, what were you doing? Yeah. Oh, let's not go there, please. <laughs> I'm serious. Let's not. Like at twenty five, man, I wasn't ever like. I love that there are young people that. Uh, <laughs> I just top Nick already. He's just such an interesting kid, man. Like, and and I th- first off, if you guys aren't subscribed, he has his own YouTube channel. But I really met him through Meaning of Catholic um, because Rob and I are contributors over there, and so is Nick. And the first time I actually got to talk to Nick was on a Meaning of Catholic morning show. It was just me, Nick, and Jake Fowler. And we had such a good time. And then I asked him to come on while you were you and Hope were having the baby. So, but he's, uh, yeah, it's all right if his screen's on. The, yeah. uh, but it was just, it, I, I asked him at the last minute today. I saw me and you didn't have a guest. And I was going to just do this show, me and you. And I was like, I shot you a text. I'm like, what about Cavazos? You just wrote back, awesome. I was like, okay, I'll ask. While Nick's uh, still gone, uh, I just want to hit on this for a second. I would say my biggest tip is, and it's funny because the person who's the biggest proponent of this is actually Francis. You know, Francis always says, like, like show it, right? Don't use words. And I completely agree with that. But to really do that, you kind of have to do it through being different. You have to do it through being trad, right? Like, I get more questions asked um, from like people at work by not eating meat on Fridays, no matter what. Yeah, like, we uh we we had a big uh company lunch yesterday, smoked brisket, and it was Thursday, so I ate meat then. But there was a ton of leftovers today, and it was really good brisket, and everyone was eating it today. But of course, I didn't. And you know, so many so many people of the guys at work questions. are are amazed by that. And no matter how many times I've explained it to them, they always still for some reason ask again. Um, so it's things like that. It's uh, because, yeah, because you're, you're less, you're less vocal than I am. Right. Like you're, am. you're not, you're all right. So obviously Rob's more of an introvert, right. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Where I try to lead every conversation because like this so one many, right now, huh? Nothing. Cause I'm talking over you. <laughs> Did I talk over you again? Yeah, no, just go, like, just I, keep going. I'm I'm way more vocal than you, right? So you're doing it by your example, right? Like so you're you're saying like, okay, by not eating meat or something like that. Those little things though, where I try to lead every conversation in a way. Wait a minute, Rob is less vocal. <laughs> Are there they, other things? They all guys- think Nick left so he doesn't have to do it. <laughs> No, nah, he's coming back. So, like, okay. So, what about what are some other obvious signs to show you're Catholic? Uh, sign of the cross and prayer before meals at lunch at work. Um, you do that at work? Yes. Oh wow! So wait, 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 I, okay. So you're at a you're in an office all day. Mm-hmm. So you're at an office and people will actually see you. Well, so like half. Work. So we're a manufacturing company. 
So half the guys, um, half the employees are, are guys in the shop that build the product and the other half of us are in the office. But we all have a, you know, a lunchroom, a break room together. See, they call me the preacher at work. <laughs> like I, and it's not even, in, it's not like I'm always trying to do, I don't, it's just every conversation these guys are having are about politics, right? And mm-hmm. the, 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 the distinction between politics and religion right now is just, it's like, people are seeing a moral problem in politics. Like you're, it's a moral issue that is really at the heart of it. It's not really about fiscal issues. It's not about like, we're looking at a moral issue. So it's always easy for me to take that moral issue. They're talking about a lot of it has to do with the trans stuff because they're always, Oh, you believe this? Look at this one. Look at this. And it's like, dude, do you really not see how upside down the world is? Because in a time of insanity, when the world's upside down, the clown and the Joker and the Fool is the same person. It's upside down. We don't even know. No. <laughs> Sorry, I had to go and tune it. That was one of the. Let's late. hear it, Nick. Come on, I want to, Let's break it out. So I'll, I'll play you guys a little something that I can't remember when I wrote it, but it was something like high school or something. So, but it's, it's very basic. It's kind of slow. It's kind of get us into the mood, right? So uh, yeah, everyone, uh, give us a like. Yeah, I can't say. I imagine much. Hillbilly Thomas has got to be one of your favorites, right? <laughs> no. Well, okay. I'll, I'll just say this about the Hillbilly Thomas. So I have seen him live. I've seen him. I've seen him play. Some of their lyrics are very good. Honestly, I don't know. There's just some. There's a little bit of cringeness that can kind of sometimes. Okay. That's just me personally. Maybe it's just because I listen to like legit. Can, like, wait, can you sing and play at the same time? Not really. Most see the thing is this: most most bluegrass songs that are written today have lyrics, but most of the bluegrass songs that you learn, uh, like when you're actually learning banjo, are no one knows the lyrics to right. most of them. They're just kind, of, and no one even knows if technically they're the original tune. It's because, just folk music, right? I mean, it can yeah, be because it's like, for instance, like if I was to just like sit here and just kind of like. Like that is the tune to a song called "Over by the Stone." Now, no one knows if that is actually the way it was played like 200 years ago, but that's the tempo that you play today. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, Do you play the guitar too, or just the banjo? I have. Well, I'm not as good at the guitar, but I actually have up here a guitar as well, up here on the wall. Uh, if anyone wants, sometime I should just do a book tour of my library because it seems like everyone actually wants to know all the books that are behind me. I have like <laughs> over right there, this these red books, it's like original 1880s Leonine Latin Summa Theologiae commentaries by Father Lagrange over Where here. Where did you get that? Uh, the internet. It's a wonderful thing. Old people should check me, it out. Me and, me and Rob, me and Rob were talking. <laughs> Me and Rob were talking in the green room one day, and I'm like, Rob, I have so many amazing books that I've never read. <laughs> yeah, that's the Song of the South. I hope you guys all know the Song of the South. Yeah, you're going to get us canceled. <laughs> How many offensive songs should I play that they were singing in the 1960s in the South? <laughs> Me and Rob canceled. Everybody's putting requests in. They want to hear American Trilogy, Gentle on My Mind. Earl Scruggs, Song Dang, of the I don't, I don't know most of these songs, to be honest. I, I learned high school level banjo. All right, play, play one song that you know. Okay, let's see. I just need a little space right here. That's the thing I'm like jammed up for in this corner. 
All right, let me get this uh, situated real quick, and I'll play you guys' song. I think this is Cripple Creek, if my memory is correct. This has to be a joke. <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah, that one I know. No. <laughs> I'll tell you about that in a second. Let's see here, how much I remember. Uh, this is off memory, so I might be a little rusty, but... Uh... Very cool, Nick. You got us a hundred dollar super chat tonight, brother. You're the man. <laughs> I did have a teacher, believe it or not, who looked exactly like John Lennon. Really? Really? How to play the banjo? It was pretty interesting. Not gonna lie. So, okay. So, are you done with school? Like, what are you doing now? Yeah, I have one more year left of uh, my uh, my degree plan. One more year left, and then uh, that'll be it. And what are you planning on doing after school? Yeah, I actually plan on playing. Uh, do I know any Johnny Cash? I wish I did, and I don't know the theme song to the Beverly Hillbillies, but that would be great. Um, if you play yeah. Johnny Cash, I would boot that you would from the stream. I'm not a Johnny Cash fan. Yeah, we don't have to worry about that. I was just like, get this art heretic out of here. Man. <laughs> <laughs> Man has offended me for the last he time. He always gets me at least once every stream. He throws me out. <laughs> I I actually would like to and pray about this. Like people pray for me. I'd actually like to go and try to get a job at the Daily Wire um, after I graduate. So I'd like to potentially either my show. I ever hypothetically one day got like big enough, it'd be cool to sell it to them. But more realistically, I think I'd like to just go and learn more about like editing and tech and all of that and help work behind the scenes. Because, you know, at the end of the day, like all the stuff we're talking about, we are in a fight. And the question is just like, what are we going to do time and effort wise to truly make a difference in the world? And whether your skills are in audio or just in reading or whatever, like the question is just how am I going to better the world? It's kind of like this. We all learn about the Catholic faith. The question I think God is asking all of us is what am I going to do with that Catholic faith? Well, can I can I tell you? Um, I I'm not. I, I have to say this without sounding like I'm bragging. <laughs> I think we have the best Catholic show, right? And that's not. And here's why I second, say that. second best Catholic show. Here's why I say that. I listen to Catholic content all day in my truck. Like no joke, I am listening to Catholic content all day. I've never found a show where it was just like every Catholic show you see. It's like. A news story breaks, Catholics go and tackle that news story. And I think that's great. I think it's awesome. I mean, my favorite is Kennedy, obviously. He's one of the best news guys you can get. But you see it, and with all my friends, don't. this is not a knock to my friend. You see Tim Gordon does it, Taylor Marshall does it. These guys all, they see a, a major story come in, and they jump on it, right? What Rob and I have tried to do is just make it like it doesn't matter what is going on. I want people to come because they enjoy listening to us, right? Like I, I want people to come because they like Rob and I and whatever we're talking about, it doesn't matter what the subject matter is. What matters is you're hanging with your friends and this is just, and, and guys, you, when you guys have no idea, I'm not saying that as like bragging. It's not 
it's not us that's so good. It's the the style of show we're doing. Like it's, it's the it's the guests that he hires on. Hundred percent, Nick. You are by far one of my favorite people to have on. But I'm only saying that because you're talking about going to Daily Wire and stuff. Like I really see a market for what we're doing. That over time, once we get enough exposure, like I want to build the Catholic Daily Wire of it. That would be cool. Real quick, commenting on this question right here by Paul Per. The uh, asking if there's a lucky lady, that one? Yeah. So I am not currently courting anybody. Um, Yeah, I'm just not. Um, Mainly because uh, I think the thing is, is like right now, I'd honestly, it was nice to see someone uh, saying I'm not a simp. Yeah, definitely not. I had, I think every man has probably a simp phase that he goes through. Definitely went through my version of the simp phase like five or six years ago. Um, But no, I'm not courting anybody. I do want to be married, but honestly, there's not a whole lot of options in my next. I would tell you right now, if my daughter was older, I would be thrilled if my daughter would date you, but she's too young, right? It's like, like there for, for you to not have a, a lady that you're courting. It's just, it, it really shows me how, because I hear it all the time that there are, you know, people, single Catholics can't find anybody like what, more could you be like you're one of the most brilliant people i've ever had a conversation with i don't understand what people would be looking for so i don't you know ladies, I think, you better step think, up your game i think <laughs> i think the banjo is is gonna be what like. <laughs> i think you're gonna get some uh some messages coming up here probably uh, not that definitely wasn't one of my better plays it's been a while since i played the band, like a good while but when it comes do you to think play, guys took guitars and played wonderwall because they were good at it or no Fair, fair play. I think that honestly, the reason, I mean, so part of, I, there's just not a whole lot of pickings around here, but honestly, <clears throat> I do think that oftentimes some people like this. Um, but I think that I, I think I might be just a bit abrasive, at least in some, cause like the way we're talking right now, I kind of just talk to everyone, you know what I'm saying? And sometimes ladies aren't necessarily about the whole, you know, what's going on in the church world. So that's <laughs> not my life, but you know, you know what I'm saying? It's like, I don't think there is, but you know, if, uh, um, if any of you guys meet anybody and you're just like, this is a, a saintly woman, I, I'll at least uh, look at credentials. Caitlin, we, we have uh, Caitlin, we have Jason and Mark coming on next Thursday. Uh, we we've been, I talked to them yesterday and me and Rob both, both said like, we haven't had Mark, uh, Jason and Mark on in a very long time. So we will have Jason and Mark on, on Thursday. And a lot of people are new to our show, so they don't know Jason and Mark yet. And I, I really, I there are there there are crew, so we want to make sure everybody knows them too. Hey, baby, want to chat about the latest encyclical? <laughs> you know, I'll pass. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not necessarily looking for like this scholar woman or anything. I don't, I, dude, do Honestly, you think? Like, do you like think it, you would want like a? a totally scholarly trad chick. I actually, I've thought about this. Like I would want someone who does, who is a thinker. So honestly, like me trying to picture myself with like one of those girls who, you know, doesn't know like the seven continents or something. I would just be like, <laughs> all right, we, we just know that like you're going to die. Because for me, what I actually find very attractive is someone who knows what they're talking about or just knows things. It's intellectually stimulating for me. Nick, but on the Nick, flip, listen to me. Oh gosh! Have you seen the music, the marriage marriage advice video? Get the ticker up, Rob. 
I'm about to give some marriage advice. <laughs> what I was going to say was, is so it, it would like that, right? <laughs> hey, um, but what I am going to say about it is it's like, what's so sad about my generation is like, it's like this, like, I know you guys are old, right? Right. You guys like were, were born in, like this forties or something, but <laughs> You know what? Balls. Too much. Too much. I'm done with him. He called me old twice. Smack this little punk. Born in the 40s. Right. Very old. But uh, but one th- it's like this. Dating in my, in our generation is honestly ridiculously hard. And it's and it's and it's and it's affected the church too. This honestly could be an entire show. Because what's happened is with the rise of the internet, with the rise of social media, with the rise of dating apps, with all these types of things, it's made people and you know being raised on Disney, it's just so incredibly hard to find somebody that even in the Catholic world is you know going to just be desirous of a holy life. Like it actually is somewhat of a challenge, and it's it's very sad. I don't know how we fix it to be honest, um, and that's something that I think for most young men is pretty disappointing. I mean, I think the fact that that Catholic match has options where you choose which dogmas you do and do not adhere to. I mean, that I think that's pretty emblematic. Of the deity the of Christ, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, emblematic of the problem. All right, listen, I have to give a little, a little tidbit here. So <clears> I would say him. like the Uber trad chick is it like, it sounds great, but like, like it's gonna be a hard time with that. Like you want to find a, you want to find a girl that wants to be holy. Like that's a, that's a very important thing, right? But you don't want her to be too smart. Like, why do you like, not want you her to be smart? Not not all right. I don't mean smart. See, you know what I would find attractive <laughs> is if is if I say something incorrect about Thomism and she's just like, shut up, you don't know what you're talking about. I'd be like, you're right. I'm not necessarily. <laughs> you're like, ooh, yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, you're right. He does make that distinction. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be 100% honest with what you should look for. You want to just find a woman that's going to let you take the lead. That's all that's actually yeah. important. Like, as long as, as long as a woman is, um, and I'm not talking about the, the Tim Gordon submit, like, like that has nothing to do with that. It has like uh, you want you want a woman who will recognize that you care about her soul over everything, and because she recognizes that, that she will let you take the lead in all things because she knows you care about her soul over everything. Um, this one's great. Oh man, I couldn't, dude. I am so happy. I am not looking for like a, a relationship in this time. Yeah, because, and, because when you guys were my age, you did not have to ask the question: Is that a I, woman? Is that actually okay, fair. or is that a man? I don't even That's like that fair. one. That one's being real. Like, I, I thought I was going to boot you again. Yeah, no, I'm not one of those like incel guys that like hates women or something. Not at all. Like, there are there are many great holy women that are out there. Sometimes it does go back to just like where you live, you know, locationally. But what I do see very sad and very troubling is that there's so many young men that I know who just do not know where to go. And it's so Shelly, I don't want you to think my wife is very smart. Um, I don't mean smart. Um, My wife is very smart, but she's not. So my wife is very artistic and she's, she's very smart, but she doesn't care about the affairs of the world. Right. And that's an admirable quality 
to me because I don't want to talk to my wife <clears throat> about the things I'm talking to the guys at work about. Like I don't want I don't want to come home and hear my wife talk about the current political thing. I don't. Like my wife doesn't watch the news. She doesn't care. It destroys her peace. Like she really gets Anthony like, blocked those channels on the TV. She just gets anxious, dude. I don't have to block anything. She won't watch it. Like she just won't watch it. And every once in a while, like a story will be so big that it catches her and she just gets like, she gets really anxious about it. I have found, and that doesn't obviously doesn't work for everybody that way. I have found that I like that. Like I want to come home where my wife needs me for everything. And that's good. I like like being needed for everything. And that's totally fine. That's totally good. What we're just struggling with, I think is men nowadays is that like, you know, it's like on the one hand, there seems to be this autocorrection with a lot of young traditionalist women where it's it's because they see and even men, too, where they see like the problems in this world. Right. So like this guys see feminism. They see that the, they see the feminazis, if you will, running around here, there and everywhere. And they autocorrect. They go too far on the other problem. Um, and what ends up happening is that you see it, for instance, a lot of traditionalist guys fall into what I would actually call legit chauvinism, where it's just like essentially yeah, the Andrew Tate. Yeah, yeah. You like you fall into this world where essentially women are pretty much good for only a few things, and that's it. And that's wrong. Um, you've autocorrected. And a lot of young women, I think, fall into a, a version of that too, where they can allow men to either just lead them around or they, you know, all the young women at the parish all of a sudden are just all nuns and you're just like Okay, what's going what's going on? I think what young men and women have to realize though is that like I did see a commenter t- telling me to pray. It's definitely good advice. I've not lost hope. I'm not black pilled on marriage or anything like that. It is somewhat frustrating because it, it again, you know, in the span of human history, I should be married technically by now, <laughs> you know, 25 years old. Um, but it is what it is. You know, you gotta actually wait and see what the Lord has for you. And you gotta make yourself someone who's a desirable. That's a lot. Well, a lot of people yeah. like to you got to make yourself desirable. So it's like, okay, are you practicing virtue? Are you trying to become holy? This doesn't mean that, you know, you go and, you know, bathe in holy water and you just become a <laughs> person or something like that. But it's like, you have legitimate virtue. This. Guys, if you have not gotten your chastity under control, then don't jump into marriage because yeah. while marriage, of course, is a lawful outlet for the concupiscible appetite, it is not a place for you to just be like, this will fix all of my, you know, immoral. immoral. No, and, I, and, I'll, and I'll even speak to that. And I will tell you that if you struggle with pornography before you're married, you will struggle with it during your marriage. Mm-hmm. And, and it will affect the marriage. Absolutely. And you may, your marriage may get ruined over it. There is something that, I mean, my wife has actually said to me, there's something so that, that, that she finds so exciting that she is the only woman my I, I have eyes for. Like I am so adamant about never, ever, ever looking at anything on the computer. Like you have no idea. It's like, mm-hmm. that is such a big thing to me because I don't want that sin passed on to my children. I don't want mm-hmm. my wife to ever question anything. I am so, I do not play around with mortal sin. Like if you play around with mortal sin, you will lose your soul. And it's like, I can't tell you that. And it wasn't always that way though. Right. Like it, it took a grace from God for me to get to that place. But I'm telling you guys, if you think like, Oh, I, you know, this is just an excuse because I'm not married yet. Like 
If you're using that confessional as a revolving door, you will continue to use that during your marriage. And eventually you'll stop attending the sacraments because you can't have that sin in your life and the sacraments like it just causes a clash. So, yes, if you are struggling with it, stay in confession. But you have to put your foot down at a certain point and just say this has to this has to go because the spiritual life doesn't begin until mortal sin is gone. Yeah, it's like the, that's the beginning of the spiritual life. I think St. Alphonsus says the way you live is the way you die. And it's so incredibly true. It's if you live a life where you're shooting for purgatory and you just are using the confessional as a revolving door, you have the sin of presumption, right? And I, as your brother in Christ, chastise you in love and say, don't fall, don't live that way because it is going to be something that claims your soul. I mean, we forget, and this is this is even going back to the whole point of this show. This is something that, again, it's like we ask ourselves the question, does the hierarchy like respect God's law anymore? Like we're actually at this point. Another question we could really ask is the question, do we believe in the devil anymore? Like do we believe that there is such a thing as Satan, that he is an actual person, fallen angel who comes to still kill and destroy, comes to not give life to man, comes to destroy man? Do we believe that anymore? Because we're walking straight into this open trap this open deception and the fact that we're not being able to even dialogue and actually have this discussion in, in a more formal public setting is something that's, it's, it's incredibly frustrating. I mean, as you guys said, they've handpicked who's going to be voting, right? They've handpicked all these things and, you know, we'll see what happens. You never know. We might have some type of apocalyptic thing where all of a sudden, like, you know, they all go in to vote and all of a sudden there's this earthquake and the church falls yeah. down. Like you might have some insane thing. Like. I mean, Arius died very strangely, right? Like stuff mm-hmm. like that has happened before. Yeah. So I'm just saying, keep, keep your news watches on. Cause you might be like, what the heck's going on? Uh, first off. Uh, oh, so, oh, the exorcist files. I thought, all right. I thought that was something. You, Rob, you, you listen to the exorcist files, right? Yeah. I listen to all of them. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's like oh, right. uh, I th- I think that um, especially <clears throat> today, I think people make like the excuse when it comes to that specific thing where they're like, if you like you could you could you could justify it because it's thrown in your face all the time. But like this is the significance of the celibate priesthood, like the celibate priesthood is there as an emblem for us to look at and say, OK, you can live a joyful life without sex like that's really what that is like that's the whole point of it it's like so when you're talking about these same-sex relationships and all that stuff it's like no the priesthood but it's just been so corrupted over the past 60 70 years that people don't see it anymore but the celibate priesthood is literally there to show us hey look you don't need to put that as the meaning of your life. Like sex is not the only thing that brings happiness. And we live in a culture now that tells you if you can't sleep with the person you want to sleep with, you will be lonely for the rest of your life and you'll never be happy. That's just completely not true. Yeah. Question we really actually have to ask ourselves is two things. One, what is happiness? And two, what do you think man is going to find happiness in? Because if we actually think even, let's just say this for lawful sexual relationships, right? In in the context of marriage. If we actually think that that is what's going to make us truly happy, then we were we're as confused as anyone else. The only thing that is going to make us happy, it's going to be a little bit of a big, big brain thing I'm about to say, but is 
with our intellect in heaven, looking upon the majesty of God, because he is the only thing that is truly satisfying. And when we behold by God's grace, who God is, our will is going to be instant instantaneously drawn to seek out that ultimate good. And that's what gives me hope. That's why the contemplative state is objectively higher than the active state, because we're here on this earth now trying to contemplate the divine to actually join in union with the divine on earth. This is not what we're clearly talking about anymore in the church, but it's so, but it's so true. It's something we need to get back to. Hey, can I throw a hypothetical at you? Cause me and Rob have, yeah. have uh, me and Rob have uh, played around with this idea. When we die, do you believe because we are outside of time and space at that point, do you mm-hmm. think when you die, you immediately go to your final, like obviously you have your personal judgment, but like, do you think because you're leaving space and time that when we die, we all go right to the final judgment? Oh, I see. As far as what you can perceive. Sure. Yeah. Um, it's like, well, it's like you die, you go to your personal judgment and then right to your final judgment. Or do you think purgatory is a temporal place where you're suffering for actual temporal time? Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's a good question. So, so we, so it is a dogma of our faith. I think it's Benedict the Thirteenth, and he's correcting the errors of John the Twenty Second. Um, John the Twenty Second was a pope who asserted that basically, after someone was to die, the soul would basically be kind of like hanging out, if you will, and wouldn't go into heaven or wouldn't go to the final judgment. Benedict the Thirteenth corrected that. He says that once man dies, he's instantaneously before the throne of God, if you will, to receive his his personal judgment. So I believe you die, you hit the personal judgment. When you go wherever you go, I do believe that you go somewhere there for a long time. Um, and the reason I believe that is because, um, first off, if you go to purgatory, purgatorial years, I think there's a lot of saints that kind of debate on what the years is. Because you have some some mystics like Padre Pio who kind of go off and be like, you know, a, 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 like a minute is like a hundred years, you know, because of the intense pains and stuff along that nature. I personally think that. It is either going to be years, like the actual temporal time, or it's going to feel a lot worse. And the reason for that is because since God is perfectly just and purgatory is, amongst other things, a certain form of punishment, then if he's just, he's going to give us some type of just punishment you know, for these sins that we have. And so... It, I don't think it's going to be two seconds or something like that. I think no, but I mean, you can exp- okay. So, like, we're playing around with the idea of time outside of time, though. So, like, it can experience experientially feel like time. Sure, yeah. Like, what does it feel like? It could be. It could be. The question is: Is it time? Is it a eternity? Do you guys know what a eternity is? No. Yeah. So there's eternity, a eternity. There's time. Ave eternity is essentially um, where you have a time begin, but yet there's no end. Uh, you could have something like that in, in purgatory where you have a eternity where it's some like very long lasting punishment and pain that uh, has a beginning, um, at least in the sense of when purgatory is created and then you eventually leave. I think, though, that people who don't make it to purgatory, who end up being damned to hell uh, at their personal judgment, I believe they go to hell and actually suffer that for a while before they come back. Just because when you do read the the great white throne judgment passages in the book of the apocalypse. What do you see? It says like God brings forth the dead. He says death and hell, right? Delivered up the dead, which were in them. And then they were cast into the lake, which burns with fire and brimstone. This is the second death. 
And so I definitely believe that they like people who are cast into hell go to hell and then they're delivered up for the general judgment and then are cast into the lake of fire, which is pretty crazy. You're like, all right, but wait, wait, wait. Okay. Maybe I worded the question wrong. So it's <clears throat> not to the final judgment, to the resurrection, right? So okay. So we we die, we go to our personal judgment. And then the, the final judgment is the resurrection, isn't it? Where our bodies are resurrected and some get so like some get cast into corruption where your your yes. body yeah. is tormented in corruption and some get brought to eternal life. So I all right, so Rob, what were you saying about um when we when we get um an, an indulgence, it's like you'll get like a thousand years. It's not a thousand years off purgatory, it's as if you did a thousand years of penance, right? That's my understanding of yeah of what the the old partial indulgence system was. Yes, yeah, it was essentially basically saying like the merits that the early church penances would have done would have essentially accumulated up to this amount of time. It was that was one reform that I do think was helpful was to kind of like cut away some of this because there were many people who were just like, oh, if I go into the church and start praying this prayer like all the time every day. That means I'll get like a hundred years off purgatory, you know, yeah. and that and like, okay, yeah, that's where there's a misunderstanding, but I don't know about you guys, but clearly today we need to reform the sacrament of penance. I just don't, I just, so, yeah, because you don't, you don't actually get any kind of actual penance to do. I mean, you're getting two, two, go, go say two, three Hail Marys. Like that's not penance. Like you really should be doing personal penances, but okay. So, um, Mike, okay, purgatory. I can I can say from my life experience when I've when I'm working on getting a sin out of my life, it is very painful, but there's also joy involved. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I do think I don't know if I'm Rob throw the heresy ticker up because I might be off. <laughs> I do think there will be a joy to purgatory. Like, as, I know all the saints talk about, like, you know, it's going to feel like hell. It's going to be, you know, it will be basically like hell. But I do think there is a joy to purging our attachments, right? Like, there's something something joyful about it, like even tackling the sin of lust. Like, it's hard and it hurts and there's pain involved. But there's also a joy because you're now getting closer to Christ in that time. So I think a lot, a lot of our theology was so focused on doom and gloom in the middle ages that that may have discouraged people but i i think the purgatory yes it there's absolutely suffering and you'll suffer a loss and it will be as if going through a fire just like gold is purified in fire like if you read in corinthians where paul talks about that but there is also joy because as those things are being purged away you're also getting closer to christ and those things are falling away yeah i think it's a both because it's like here, here's where I, I, I always seem to struggle with how we do modern theology. The Middle Ages, as an example, was it, it knew what original sin was. It was so embedded into their mind. I've even seen historians say that it was as if the air they breathed was contaminated by sin. They had that much of, a, of an awareness of their evil. And when you look yeah. at the penances of that time period in comparison today, go look at one of the medieval penitential manuals and you'll be like, What? This person's fasting for seven years on bread and water one day a week, like one meal a day for adultery. You know, just something like you're, you're just, your mind is blown. 
Um, and it makes sense because when you read Aquinas' treatise on the sacrament of penance, he says just in the same way that St. Paul likens baptism to be buried with Christ and raising from the dead, right, the resurrection, penance is what conforms you to the passion of Christ because it is supposed to be painful. I mean, literally penance to mean, means to agitate, to punish. And so they knew that in the Middle Ages. And so you see that, of course, in the doctrine of purgatory because they've emphasized correctly God's justice. God's justice demands satisfaction, right? We can't pretend that God is not a God of justice that doesn't demand satisfaction. But on the other hand of it, you can have an overemphasis in this where it's just like, okay, well, God is just so wrathful and so angry that basically he's just going to be torturing me. And yeah. Then, and then like – I guess I'll love him or something after that. And and so you're absolutely right. You, there is going to be part of the suffering is like, oh, I'm so close to being able to be united with God, but I can't, you know, right now. And so it's, it is a certain amount of suffering where I think we need to do as a church those, I think we need to start to autocorrect back from this massive swing of, you know, um, the dignity of man that we've so focused in on for so many years now. And we actually need to focus again on the justice. Of so, God. Uh, all right. So, Phil, what, what, I, I, I guess, I guess Phil's talking about like uh, it could be the center pride where like you're just, oh, woe is me, and like like thinking too much so of yourself, maybe. Yeah, that would be uh, the sin of pusillanimity. But I would tell you that if you received a medieval penance, you probably wouldn't be boasting because you'd be like, wow, I, sorry, honey, I can't eat your meals for the next ten years because I'm going to be <laughs> on bread and water. So. You know what I'm saying? Like the thing was, at least with medieval penances, I'm not saying Nick, I'm not, you're you're obviously going to have to return because I mean you're 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 my favorite and you're clearly a fan favorite. But um, hey, did you ever see the movie? Did you ever see the movie The Mission? Uh, who plays in it? You know. Okay, so Robert De Niro, um, Liam Neeson, uh, Jeremy Irons. Okay, listen, there's a movie from the '70s. This. I've, I've talked about it on air before because so there's something so powerful about the penance scene in it where um, – so Robert De Niro loves this woman and he – his brother uh, also loves her and the brother gets the woman. And Robert De Niro in a fit of rage has a duel with his brother and kills his brother. Dang, okay. He's so distraught over this. He's in a prison cell and he won't. Like he just is so distraught over it. He's not even in prison, but he's just so distraught over it that he won't even speak to anyone or anything. A priest who pl- who's played by Jeremy Irons convinces him, hey, let's do penance for this. The penance he does is he carries his armor in a satchel up these South American mountains for days and days and days and days. And it's such a powerful scene because it just makes you realize like, like you go in and you confess your sins and the priest tells you, okay, go say three Hail Marys or even a rosary. And Mm -hmm. it's like, that's not real penance, man. That's like penances. These guys did even back, forget the middle ages. You're talking in the enlightenment period were severe and they, and they really took sin seriously. Yeah. Because part of what penance does is that like, in a certain sense, what it's trying to do is it's trying to satisfy the justice of God in the temporal punishment due to sin, right? Like we have this legitimate temporal punishment, that we, re- we can remit through indulgences or through penances, but it's like, how is the justice of God going to be met? So that's why I personally believe, at least from my personal experiences, as well as from what I've witnessed, that the vast majority of Catholics who do die in a state of grace 
are going to go to purgatory because this that we have almost no concept anymore of the justice of God. It's just so eroded from our consciousness. I heard this said the other day, I think it was Jim Caviezel, but he said, modern Christians fear the devil more than they fear God. It's 110% true. Do we really fear God anymore? Can we honestly say that people fear God anymore? Because scripture says, fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, but it yeah. says the fear of the Lord is to hate evil, right? Mm-hmm. If we fear the Lord, which is what, what is one of the, uh, the gifts of the Holy Ghost we receive at confirmation. If we fear the Lord, then we will not want to offend him. We will not, we will hate evil, right? It doesn't mean we hate people, but we will hate the sin, the evilness of sin, etc. But we're not doing that. And so I'm not saying that with penance, we should use it as a, a place of pride, right? That That is a legitimate criticism that I want to, that, that's good. But I think that the problem is, is that we've so far autocorrected that you guys know sometimes I, re- I remember once receiving a penance where the penance was to say the act of contrition. <laughs> like, like oh, how man. is that satisfying the justice of God because of my sin? One of the best professors I've ever had, he's moved on now, but he's a diocesan TLM priest. And he, um, he gave me one, let me correct my camera, but he, uh, he gave me the uh, penance of fasting for a day, which I don't know if you guys have ever received anything like that, fasting for a day. Nope. But I'm like, that's what you call like a legit but doable penance, right? Get your one meal in, right? What you need, but, you know, skip two meals, et cetera. Like, that's a good penance. It's nothing that we've kind of grown used to where, you know, comedians now make fun, like, oh, pray three Hail Marys, but, you know, you murdered somebody. Um, like, <sighs> major Rob, fun. We all just Rob, need to pray for a really holy pope. <laughs> Rob, what was the best penance you ever got? Because I, I know mine. I'll, I'll tell you mine after. He's like working with my. You friend. never even have one that memorable, probably, right? I think the only one that's memorable because it was something other than three Hail Marys or, you know, Our Father, Glory Be, Hail Mary or a decade of the Rosary, the only one that stands out from that. And I'm, I'm not, I wouldn't call it a good penance necessarily, but it was at least different. It was, um, doing something special for my wife. Okay. So yeah. Acts of uh, corporal works of mercy. Those are good. So I, this is years ago when I was struggling with lust and I went in and it was the same priest I went to two times in a row. And he goes, "I, I don't, he didn't want to give me absolution. He goes, I don't know if you have a real firm purpose of amendment. It was a Chinese priest. <clears throat> Remember, I tried to do the Chinese accent, Rob. Yes, yeah, so I. As soon as you started telling the story, I'm like, please don't do the impression. Please don't do the impression. Poor, poor Rob, he's like, he's just on eggshells the whole night. <laughs> <laughs> he's just been down this road. That's so what the alcohol's for, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> so he, uh, it, it was when I was struggling with lust, and he said. Uh, I want to do the Chinese accent so bad. Oh, please. He, he wasn't going to give me absolution because he, he really was like, do you really have a firm purpose of amendment with this? And I was like, yes, I do. He goes, but you keep having the same issue over and over again. He was going to deny it to me. He goes, okay, well, listen, here's what I'm going to do. I want you to set your alarm every day for 3 p.m. And every day at 3 p.m., I want you to pray either a decade of the rosary or a decade of the Divine Mercy Chaplet. So it wasn't just go pray... 10 Hail Marys, it was every single day at 3 p.m. I want you to do this at the hour of mercy. It is the thing that got me to stop committing that sin. Mm-hmm. Because every day it was a reminder at 3 p.m. <clears throat> at the hour of mercy, 
And it brought God to my mind every day at 3 p.m. And it was almost like a, a, a strange time because I was just leaving work and I was in my truck and it, and it made me pray on my way home from work every day. And I always had weakness when I would get home from work. And it was that time when I was in the bathroom and I would take a shower and stuff like that. So, I mean, I'm revealing very personal information right now, but only because I think there might be men listening that that is a very helpful thing. And it is the thing that helped me break that bond. Uh, that was over me, you know? So if, if you're struggling with that, maybe try that. Set your alarm every day for 3 p.m. and just pray a decade of the rosary. It doesn't have to be a full rosary. Pray a decade of the rosary and it'll keep God constantly on your mind. And like we were saying earlier, like it's so much of what we're dealing with is about attention and where you put your attention. Now, if God is always in your attention, it'll leave less room for those other things to pull your attention away. As well as we should be asking God for the grace to overcome it. I'm always reminded, I think it's from the book of wisdom, but this verse just, man, hit home. It says, I would not know what it means to be to be chased unless the Lord gave it to me. So what we have to realize is that chastity, the actual virtue of angelic chastity, is something that we all can practice, of course. But that power right? That Titus chapter two talks about when he says the grace of God has given, has been given to us, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should be sober, righteous, and holy before him. That power can only come from God. Yeah. Which you have to understand because again, like, especially with sins against the sixth and ninth commandment, they are so, they, they are so, um, they rely so much on our natural good instincts, right? But it's against reason and it's against God's law. And so we have to ask God for the grace. And maybe you've been saying, well, I've been asking God for the grace for a long time. Examine your conscience and ask yourself, according to the book of Hebrews, have I resisted to the point of spilling blood? That's what yeah, that's, Oh, is. man. Like, have you hey, can you, get, can you guys hold it down while I pee real quick? Because I don't want to end it. I mean, Rob, if you got to go, I'll go pee and me and Nick could stay and hang if you got to go. No, it's fine. I'll be I'll be two minutes. I'll be right back. <laughs> Does doesn't even doesn't even mute himself. Oh <laughs> do no! Why, why would he do that? From the audience, any any random questions from the audience? Um, how about this one? One question for me: Do you? I like Glenn Campbell's music. Yes, I do actually. Um, a couple. Uh, if you like Glenn Campbell, Campbell. One thing, a band actually I'd recommend everyone listen to is um, the Stillwater Hobos. So it's an Irish bluegrass band, and uh, it's it's something worth it. Actually, they're all Catholic. There's some Catholic songs that you do find in it, and uh, yeah, this is it's pretty good. I recommend it. So uh, I should have a slideshow of funny pictures of Anthony for times like this. It's a fair, yeah, fair point. I guess fair point. <laughs> How about this one? I, to, I know I, the yeah, answer, but <laughs> yeah. So I, I took a bit of a break this week. I was dealing with some some personal drama that was going on in my life. But uh, yes, Monday through Friday, I come out with three or four videos on the subjects of Catholicism, mainly Catholic news and um, uh, even some political news. I also have some long studies that are just discussing elements of Thomism, the Latin Mass, things along that nature. But I'm wanting to continue to go to the channel. So if if all of you viewers have not actually gone over to the show. Not to give myself a shameless plug, but I think you'd enjoy it. If you enjoy Anthony and Rob, I think you'll enjoy this. Although I, I, I don't, I don't have a co-host, so I'm not as cool as. Them, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, but it's still it's a lot of fun. What uh, what was your what was your official denomination before conversion? I call or was it, it just kind of non-denominational. 
Yeah, it was technically non-denominational. I call it fundangelicalism because it's like <laughs> it's like a mixture of fundamentalism and evangelicalism. But yeah, that's that's my my background. Are you a uh, pure Texan? What what does pure Texan even mean? So pure Texan, I mean, I would wonder is what that, Mr. is that Paul, like a te, uh, Tejanos or? Yeah, I guess I, maybe what he means by is just native born, native born in Texas. So my ancestry goes back into Texas all the way until 1793. So my ancestry, we, we came over with the Spanish land grant. And uh, I'm going to co host for Nicholas. Uh, send me your credentials, DM me through Instagram. And, uh, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, we came over in 1793 with the Spanish land grant with the king when he uh, annexed it as a, as a colony of Spain. We settled in the um, King Ranch area of Texas. We worked for five generations as vaqueros on the King Ranch. So I am of Spanish, Hispanic background. And we, uh, what was interesting about it is my grandfather, he was the one who kind of broke the trend, if you will. He ended up going to school and then and became a Secretary of Education for Ronald Reagan um, and for the first George Bush. Um, which was pretty pretty cool, um, and uh, yeah, great 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 family. Uh, they they value education. I love them all to death. And uh, my great grandpa, Lotto Senior Cavazos, uh, he was a um, not just the like one of the main ranch heads back then, but he would fight banditos all the time back in the day. And there's actually some old west photos of him dragging uh, dragging dead banditos by the horse and stuff like oh. that. And so uh, what a chad, absolute chad. So based. Grandpa. Yeah, he was a, he was and he was Catholic, you know. So he's he's a great guy. Well, so Anthony, Rob, I tell so you an hour ago that I'm waiting to have a cigar. You keep me on this show for an hour, and then you bring a pipe down. Are you joking me? And, and yeah, you're Rob, right. You're using you a split, bit you to light and your wrap pipe. it up. I don't. I feel bad because my wife's not home, so I got nothing else to do. And I know your wife's waiting. We are for you streaming to have a until we get a new. <laughs> we are staying not, offline. I thought that We're was not a getting joke. off until we get Anthony, another hundred dollars super Anthony, chat. Anthony <laughs> bought a, uh, he, he bought everything he needs from diapers to bedpans to everything he needs. The last Nick, out in front of this. Nick trip. said we're not getting off until we get another hundred dollar super chat. So I don't know what you guys are doing. <laughs> give me a give me a thousand dollar super chat. I do not. I actually drive a Toyota Tundra, but the thing is with Fords, there's a reason they're called found on road dead. They are kind of somewhat unreliable. Ford F one fifties though, they are monsters. They're they're good trucks. I like them. The few times I've driven them. I got a Ford F two fifty. Hope you Hope you went and had a cigar without me. Dang, dang! I, you know what? You know what, Rob? I tonight I will in the pour. Back. I will pour a genuine root beer out. For Rob, you. Rob, do you inhale your your pipe? No, I do. You're not really supposed to. It's because Anthony, I don't inhale a cigar. But a pipe also, I'll inhale. Anyway. So wait, my question is, Anthony, when did your people land on these shores? What do you mean by your people? 1917. The year year Our Lady appeared in Fatima. Yeah, my my great grandfather, uh, maybe 1914, actually, maybe. Yeah, it was 1914. He was my grandfather, my great great grandfather was escaping Italy. He was born in 1899 and he lived until 18, I'm sorry, 1996. Wow. So, yeah, he lived until. He was 97 years old when he passed. And I knew him. 
so he moved, he came here in 1899 and he barely spoke a word of English, even when I knew him, you know? So they came here that long ago and he, 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 he lived until 97. My great grandmother was like three years younger than him. And she died six months after he did. It's like, you know she died of a broken heart, basically. Like, you know what could like, this is what's so cool about America. And so interesting. There's a good chance so when my grand, great-grandfather right, roped those banditos who had died, right? what happened was is that there was a gentleman from the railroad company who snapped a photo, and he sent the photo, quote, back east. And it was basically you know, Pennsylvania, New York, everything like that. We're getting the photos of like this cowboy who's just you know dragging the banditos off into the sands to bury them. And they said that the east had like all these problems. They were like, you don't know how to respect the dead and things like that. But it was weird because, I mean, there is a chance that your – you said – was it grandfather? grandfather? My great-great – my great-great-grandfather your who great- I knew and I'm named after. Yeah, it could have been easily that he would have looked and found – maybe one day in a major newspaper because it was uh, that photo of my great grandpa, you know, roping a bandito and dragging him into the sand. So wait, when did your family come here? Cause I missed that part. 1793. Your family's got that much history here, huh? Yeah, all Texas, uh, Texas and North Mexico. And uh, I mean, that's why I, I mean, I always brag on Texas because I've lived here my whole life, but I mean, honestly, it is a great state. I really do think it is like the greatest state in the union because we, we just have such a home, like family centered culture. And I know that it's like of all the states, if just everything goes to heck, Texas is going to look after its own and we're going to. They're you know, the only state yeah. that has a chance of secession. Yeah, we we have actually the so the GOP in Texas actually has in its um, bylaws or constitution or whatever um an open proposition for secession it is something that is is actually gained traction we do have in the works uh some non-binding secession referendums there is like there is a legitimate large yeah texit movement here in the state of texas and it's so hard because it's like on the one hand i do love the united states of america but i do love texas before the usa um and so if we were to ever like actually have, let's put it this way. If, if it was tomorrow, <laughs> right. If it was tomorrow and it was on the ballot and it was binding vote yes or no for secession, it'd be hard, but I probably would vote yes. Just because I don't want my state to be dragged down in California's politics. I don't yeah. want my state to be. You know, <clears throat> and you see that all Californians are moving there and they will get dragged down that way. It's weird because even my family, like my great grand, my great, great grandfather came here in 1899 and he, I'm sorry, he came here in 1914. He was born in 1899, but we've been in New York since they got here. And um, it's like, it's hard for me to even, I have, a, I have, dude, I have a very love hate relationship with New York, especially because I live on the Island. It's not like New York city where it's beautiful where I live. Like I have a boat and I'm out on my boat every weekend and I go see beautiful. Like if I didn't have a boat, I don't think I would care so much for Long Island, but having a boat, you're exposed to different things that you never would normally be exposed to. You get to go and mm-hmm. have, you know, on restaurants on the water and things like that. So well, it's cool. beautiful here. It's going to be that sad is- when I leave. There we go. Rob, but where is your ancestry from? Bavaria. Oh, Parts really? of it. Um, oh, you know so much about beer. <laughs> yeah. Um, probably about, um, about half my ancestry is German, <laughs> both from, uh, 
Rocket Fuels. Both from <laughs> signature drink of Long Island. <laughs> uh, both from um, Westphalia as well as uh, Hungary. Actually, the, some of my family's um, German Hungarian, but uh, other than that, there's some Polish uh, and some English. That's cool, dude. I uh, and Europe is just beautiful. I've only been back to Spain one time, um, and it is just a beautiful place it is so beautiful um their culture is interesting at the moment but yeah it's a it's a beautiful place it, it really is yeah the u.s man what do you think is going to happen in the future because we were talking about this we were talking about this on uh wednesday like i had this weird eerie feeling like this last fourth of july was the last mm. this had a, very, had a very eerie feeling because you guys did on we actually brought it up because you guys had the 4th of July show with Tim. Mm-hmm. It was on July 3rd. And you guys were talking about things you're grateful for. <clears throat> and I, I, I'm i telling you, I had this weird, eerie feeling like this was the last 4th of July. Yeah. I mean, I pray you're wrong. But it's like, this, it's like what I said on that show. This is what I think is going to happen to the U.S. I do think that it is very likely we will enter into another civil war. And I don't say this mm-hmm. to be a doom and gloom person or anything, but I do think it's at least, I think I put it at 60 or 65% chance. I, I do think it is somewhat more realistic than not. And the reason for this is because every successful civilization, or even go more basic, every successful just family unit comes together based off of things they have in common, right? Shared values, things they have in common. And we don't see that in the United States anymore. We see we're not just divided on political issues, but we're also divided on things that we should not be divided on. Things like uh, saluting the flag, the Pledge of Allegiance, the anthem, the Constitution, these types of basic principles. And it is it is totally 110% the fault of the communist left. 110%. Like, I know that there can be, of course, faults and blames that you can place on both sides. But really, let's be honest, at the end of the day, there's really only one side that is like gleeful whenever someone tears down the United States. Um, it's very common. So what I think is going to happen is I think either a, we enter into a civil war and when that takes place, I don't know what form that will be in the context of whether that's going to be like rural versus cities, or if that's going to be like small pockets of things popping up here, there and everywhere. Um, but I do think that eventually what we will have is either one side wins or B, uh, China comes in. That's another thing a lot of people haven't thought about. Like, we enter some war and China shows up and decides to take over. Or B, we're in the last stages of the Republic and we um, have a military leader rise up and, like Julius Caesar and just say, enough is enough. I'm restoring order. This is an empire now. You know what I'm saying? Something like that. Okay. okay I, think, so, I think we're before the era of Caesar, though. I think we would get a Sulla first. Sure. Yeah, that's a, it's a fair point. That's why I honestly think that like, again, we don't have to go down this route. I do believe that, you know, like there is, you do see a good backlash. I don't know about you guys, but like when I'm out there just working with people, like just normal people who aren't conservative, I'm hearing all the time people just be like, okay, we've gone so far crazy with this rainbow stuff. Biden's destroying my wallet. Uh, I was talking Mm -hmm. with the dude the other day who I've known like for the past five years now. He's never been political, right? Pretty much his entire life. He's just never been about that stuff. But he's just like, yeah, dude, like I've been actually thinking about like getting married and having a wife and kids and trying to buy a house, but I can't when I'm spending all my money on my gas. 
you know, this, it, it, this, and, you know, and so I know so many people who did not vote for Trump this last election who are gun ho to vote for him now. Like I, I know dozens and dozens of people, people like I know. People I lost a third of my salary under Biden. Yeah. So I, I lost a third of my salary under Biden and it's been a very difficult couple of years because you get used to making a certain amount of money. Like, and when you get used to it, you, your expenses get to that. And then when out of nowhere in 2020, a third of my salary disappeared, it has been an insane three years of trying to readjust and it has not been easy. Um, my thing is that I think we will have civil war for a couple of reasons. One is you'll never see this country unite again because the people are so divided on basic moral questions, like basic what is right and wrong at this point. The second is when you get rid of chastity, like I I said this in my talk, when you get rid of chastity, you get violence. And you could see this in the ancient world where you had barbarians constantly warring. You had the Vikings raping and pillaging. When you don't have chastity and the Christian sexual teaching, you will get violence like you just will. And you saw that with that Christian school that got shot up by the by the trans yeah. agenda. Yeah. Like you start to see that because their side, because they're so unmoored from a from a foundation of a, a sexual ethic, they are quick to go to violence. And, and you see it all the time. You see it in a Starbucks with the yes, it's ma'am. It's ma-. like their first instinct it's is to man. go. Yeah, because they go to violence. And you saw with the trans person with the axe hatching that hatcheting that guy in the face with an axe. Listen to me. You guys do not realize what we're up against. We all talk like we all think like, oh, well, the right has guns. The right has guns. You guys don't understand. The left has been stockpiling guns for years now. Yeah. Beyond All that. The John Brown socialist have, gun clubs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But they have beyond that. They have every means of communication. They have every media communication. Like you don't realize how important that is. The propaganda machine they have at their at their disposal. Like these things, like I know everybody thinks on the right. It's like, Oh, well we got You guys don't know what you're going to be up against. The right. And, you're going, and you'll be up against the three letter agencies on top of that. Yeah. I, I can't remember what show I said this on. I think it was St. Joseph against the Marxists that we had on the show. Oh, real quick to Mr. Joe here. Stay until we get a new Pope. That's all I got to say. We're <laughs> no, we're staying until we get another hundred dollars super chat. You guys want us <laughs> Either off? way, hey. I got multiple cigars. <laughs> I think it was on, um, St. Joseph, Terror of Demons Against the Marxists. But one thing I brought up is that we have to realize, um, yes, fully agree with you. Fully agree with you here. Um, we have to realize that the right, the left is waging a war and the right still thinks it's having a conversation. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Like the right fundamentally thinks that it's just having basically an ideological conversation. And it's starting to wake up now, but the big thing that people on the right need to do is just wake up the normie right and just be like, you know that this is going on, right? That this stuff is not stopping. Uh, so again, some of you viewers may know, I do a lot of these protests, right? Against um, rainbow issues and other, you know, infanticide and things like that. But one of the things we've seen come out, right? is now extremists on both sides. So we've had what's called Trantifa show up right on the other side of the the, the street, if you will. Um, but we've also seen, um, to put it again, PG friendly for, for YouTube, uh, disciples of mustache man uh, show up on the other side, like legitimate, not, not, you know, not fed. Patriot front front. 
Yeah, it's like we we've seen us. Yeah, exactly. Not we fake feds. Like you're saying legit. Like mustache legit, man followers. Like legit mustache man followers. Yeah, because you'll get that. that. You'll get that. Look, if you push a people so hard, yeah. you'll get that reaction on the other side. It's just well, what's that's, going to naturally happen. That's where that's where they originated from. Right? Yeah. They were the reaction to the craziness of Weimar Germany. Yeah, exactly. Radicalism breeds radicalism, <clears throat> and so. Yeah, we got to pray. We got to pray, but we also got to we got to do work. And we got to realize that like let's just say this hypothetically. We all just get on get on board the Trump train one last time, right? And just smash through the walls uh, cuz you know, I'm I'm a I'm a moderate supporter. I do think that this time around it's probably if he gets in it he's just going to go full scorched earth mode to get revenge. That's the only reason I like him because I I the only reason I think he may work is because I think he will schedule F fire. Exactly. Everyone. Exactly. The That's- only reason he may get rid of the deep state, like because he has a vendetta at this point because of what they have put him through. And every time they arrest him and put another charge on him, they're just building that vendetta bigger and bigger. Like we're talking about a, a we're talking about them framing a sitting president. Like you have yeah. to really grasp that. They the freaking CIA framed a sitting president. Yeah, no, no, he's, it's exactly, and that's why. And then when you have the other dim candidate, RFK Jr., who's like coming out just blatantly, like Steve doesn't want to hear anything but divorce from DC, divorce from DC. That's all he wants to hear. Isn't isn't Mister Cunningham? Isn't he a Southerner? Yes, he's from North Carolina. Okay, but he then- just he just wants he wants national divorce. And 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 look, Steve, that's admirable that you want that. It'll never happen. It'll never happen. It's just probably such a not peacefully. Thing. No, you're never getting a peaceful divorce. It's never going to. First of all, they will never allow it. Look at what's going on in Hungary. Hungary doesn't want to open their borders. The entire EU is coming after them. Like you'll never get the U.S. to break apart into fifty separate nations. It'll never happen. And I know that was the original intent. It was like, okay, they're fifty separate states, and you're supposed to have just you know one federalized government just to you know unify them in a couple of subtle ways. And it was supposed to be fifty separate countries under this one union. It was supposed to be similar to what the EU is, but it's just impossible, Steve. Like the way the amount of power these people have they will never relinquish it and never without force like unless you, yeah unless you have like a bull in a china shop called donald trump 2.0 go in and schedule yeah. that that's why that's why you know i like other politicians for instance i like vivek ramaswamy i think his policy when it comes to like um banning um social media for for kids i'm like 110 percent raise the voting age actually let's have some yeah. good tests. that's all great but i also recognize he doesn't have a dog's chance in the world of getting in there um, and so that's why I'm like, in the meantime, we need to focus on getting a good person in, pre- in, in power. But you know why we also failed? Oh, great. You're a fellow, uh, fellow Southerner. I, I, I saw the anti, uh, I thought I saw something about Lincoln earlier. And so I was just like, ah, you know, fellow Southerners in the chat. So we can Steve, Steve, Steve just thinks, okay. So, and, and I agree with him in like, when it comes to this, like, it's, it's like, we are not living out the intent of the original founding of the country in any way whatsoever, but the way it has developed and the, the amount of power they have now, they were, they will never relinquish that power. It's just never going to happen. So I don't, I don't know if Mr. Steve would ever come on my show, but, uh, oh, just, know, yeah. just know I'm an admirer. I, since his fidelium, how many people has that absolutely helped? Lincoln, the first so, time I, said, I actually, Agree in the sense that 
and I'm not just saying this because of the, the image that Steve, do you want to come on? <laughs> I'll send Steve a link if he wants to come on again. Um, but this is right up his alley. <laughs> he is, he is, Lincoln was the person to really centralize the federal government to the point in which we see it. It's essentially the seat in which we see it today, right? We do see that. And it is something very nervousing. We, yeah, we, one of these days we got to have a full Civil War show. And then Anthony, hey, yeah, we probably minutes ago, have to be 40 minutes ago. Rob told me maybe we should wrap this up. <laughs> Yeah, that was at the, that was at the two hour and fifteen minute mark or something like that. <laughs> Rob, you can go. I feel bad keeping you here. My wife's not home. I'm hanging. Uh, Steve's gonna come on. I think I just sent him the link. Oh gosh, um, this is gonna be a four hour stream. <laughs> Wait, you can yeah, we get a new pope. We're not leaving. <laughs> We're not leaving. We have seventy people in the live chat. I, if when it gets down to thirty, we'll bail. I mean, <laughs> we were up to one hundred and twenty. This might be our biggest live stream. I, ever. You want to know something, Nick? We were higher with you than we were with Father Isaac. You know, and that, Taylor. Yeah, you're you're only stroking my ego. Look, everyone in the chat, everyone in the chat, call your bishop and be like, we have an emergency on YouTube. The stream is not going down until we get a new. Post. So let me. Well, I'll explain to you why that might be, though. Um, when we had Father Isaac on, we only had about 1,200 subs. When we had Taylor on, we only had about 1,500. So we do have a lot more subs now. But live streams, we typically get uh, 65 to 80 now. Like we, we used to get like 30. Now we're getting like 65 to 80. But I also think we had very good subject matter tonight. And I think the, the conversation, especially the first two hours of this conversation, they were extremely engaging. And I think it was just, it was stuff that a lot of people wanted to hear. What would you guys do if Pope Francis legit died during your live stream? Well, <laughs> clearly we'd have to continue it until they elected a successor. Well, yeah, clearly like, will, everyone would owe us gratitude. Here. I will sit here for three years until we get a new yeah. <laughs> three years. That is the longest interregnum there's ever been. I, okay, so <laughs> wait, let's get into this because what do you oh, think gosh. happens in the next conclave? Yeah, we're just covering all the spice tonight. Um, so I personally think, I mean, again, so much of this depends on what's going to happen in the Senate because it's like yeah. if, they, if they legit try to get some of this stuff pushed, the question is like, is the next Pope going to be a miracle person and just come in and be like, what the heck? What what the heck was that, y'all? You know, he gets a Gen Z Pope in there and says, this was the you know most cringe thing I've seen in a while. A Jude um, Law Pope, basically. Yeah. So funny about that is that HBO is just like, oh, this is what we would actually hate to happen. All the Catholics be like, this is what we want to happen. We're like, yeah. Yeah, we're like, yes, a pope who doesn't even show his face to the crowd and says, find God first. You're like, yes, please. But uh, yeah, Paul's right. Wishing the Pope dead, but pushing people to vote for Trump. Like, I'm not pushing. Me and Rob don't really have any. Uh, <laughs> any I'm, I'm any. probably not voting. So, yeah, so. <laughs> But we're I'm not going to alienate I, our guests. I'm I also not, do not wish the Pope dead. Nick, I'm going to be honest with you about the voting thing. Like, uh-huh. I think you're young and idealistic. And I think that's admirable. But I think there's, no, there's, there's, there's a certain black pill on Politics is folly. I, I'm at the point where I just think we are in such such apocalyptic times that it doesn't matter who the president is anymore. I, I agree to a point, but I also recognize because of my studies into communism, that that's exactly what Marxists want people to do because social Marxism, what it is, 
geared toward is dividing up the people and then blackpilling the opposition to the point where they don't react anymore. And there's a legitimate point where you're making where it's just like, yeah, why vote? It just seems completely rigged. It's never going to change. Understandably. But then also at the same time, going back down to a basic principle, it's like when you have a, a candidate who's clearly not bought. Yeah. I'm saying no, I like better. Trump. I just, I like just think it doesn't, it doesn't, I just think it doesn't matter in, in America at this point. I think America is just like if we were doing a Bush versus Biden conversation right here, yeah. I would be complete with you. I'd be like, what's the difference? One is just a little bit more like mentally unstable than the other one, but policy wise, they're right lockstep, you know? Um, can we just get a Harpsburg? I mean, Habsburg. Texas was Habsburg territory. Yeah, I, I mean, maybe one day we'll do something. Wait, what was that last question I asked That when we got off politics? What did I ask? Conclave. Yeah, what's going to happen? Oh, con- yeah, yeah, yeah. What's going to let's get Let's get back to Catholicism. Let's get back to um, <laughs> I personally think that there is a good chance that we do see a good and holy pope next. I do think that there is a good chance. So a lot of people say, are we going to get Francis 2.0? And there's a certain argument to be made where it's like, okay, look at how stacked the deck is. There's so many people who are, you know, pro Francis, at least in his policy, that are going to be voting. But at the same time, these cardinals have not met each other, right? A lot of these cardinals have not met each other at all. And at the same time, there is a lot of one of the reasons why we have not seen a lot of pushback against this stuff, like with some notable exceptions, like being Strickland, even though he's not a cardinal, is because people are scared. They know a lot of cardinals know that this stuff is messed up, but they're just scared to say anything. And so yeah, they don't want to get the hammer. Yeah. And so it would not surprise me that even amongst people that he promotes and puts into office, that there is a good chunk of them who are also saying this stuff has gone too far and I'm scared. So it would not surprise me if we were to have a good and holy Pope next. That's what we should all pray. I, I would absolutely love if we see white smoke and I, we find out Cardinal Burke became the next Pope. I'd be like, <laughs> you, here, I'm going to give you my prediction. My prediction: You're going to have a very long interregnum. Oh, I remember this. Yeah, you saying you're going to have a very long interregnum, and during that interregnum, you're going to see a split. You're going to see the German synodal way take off and do their thing, and you're going to see a lot of cardinals follow that. See, my thing is, if there is a split, it's going to happen quick, not long. That's a good point, actually. In the sense, right. I can see both happening, but in the sense that it's just like. Now it's time to leave, especially if they see the dice kind of turning against him. You'll see a you'll see a split. The German synodal way will go one way, and a lot of different conferences are going to follow them. And then you're going to get Cardinal Seurat or somebody like him, and you will see the wheat separated from the chaff. I still think Bishop Snyder needs to be Pope. I do too. I don't think that's necessarily impossible. Truly, yeah. We, I mean, not to not to be too memeish, but we do have a god of surprises, um, <laughs> and so that would be an absolutely amazing surprise to have. I think you're going to get Sarah or Schneider or Burke. Yeah. Like I really do, and I think you're going to see because look, we don't leave the church. Like we're like, no, you can't leave the church. Like we have this, we have this principle that we know you don't leave the church. But if you got a holy pope next, because Francis has allowed this mayhem. Oh gosh, so everyone! Wild. Who's this hey, guy? Hey, Steve Cunningham, the man. He's gonna want to go back to politics. <laughs> this is good though, because for the first time since the end of the Civil War, there's now two Southerners versus two Yankees. 
I like that's for the re- for the record, I'm a copperhead. <laughs> for the record, yeah, good, good, okay, very good, very good, very good Steve, answer. Steve, what are you doing up this late? I'm always. This is early. I don't go texting to- you probably. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brother. So, so what what would you add to this conversation about politics, Steve? Because I know I know you have you're very passionate about the divorce from DC. Politics is show business for ugly people. <laughs> that is true. I, let me tell you something. I had people texting me up while you guys were talking, saying, "Hey, when are you join in? When are you going to get an AB's conversation?" Who texted you, uh, uh, Eric? Uh, Peep, uh, Peeper, you out there still listening? He was texting me up. I had a couple others going, "Hey, you joining in the combo?" I bet apparently, <laughs> right, everybody well, knows watching right now. I'm gonna throw the I'm gonna throw the uh, conclave question at you. What do you think happens in the next conclave? Don't know. Don't care. Stop this, pretending this, you don't care. Man, Listen to me. There's nothing I can do about it. So what? It's, it's that's almost what I'm asking. Like, I'm I asking, are we getting Francis the second, or are we going to get a holy pope next? We'll get what we ever we deserve. I mean, that guy knows what screwed. he's doing. Don't tell me gonna, who we deserve because we deserve Francis the second. <laughs> that guy. Knows, it's one of those things we don't. We can't do anything about. It's like someone wrote a book. I was supposed to do a book review. I'm like, I don't care about it. It was like the next seven. You know, popes. Who could it be, or who could be the next pope? And there's these guys. Who knows? It's it's one of those things. It's great talk for shows. You got we people can talk about. I don't like wasting time on it because at the end of the day, it's nothing weird. You you never you never discuss the papacy, really, right? Nah, it's nothing. I just did a thing on the Florida martyrs, and going going to that whole thing, you're like. They didn't know who they probably didn't even know the Pope was, especially the new converts. Maybe they did. Maybe they knew who the name was. Maybe he died, and four years later they figured out he dead. He was dead. Uh the Smith, same way. I mean, he he was worried about converting the Indians. He wasn't, they didn't have Twitter where the Pope was commenting every five seconds. And if he sneezed, one of the Indians came up. Hey, Rastrasama, what'd he say? Oh, oh, no, no, big, you know, big hair, long hair. You hear what the Pope said? No. All right, but, um, but this is not true. Because Steve's not about doom and gloom on the papacy, but Steve is all doom and gloom when it comes to the World Economic Forum, when it comes to politics. Don't tell me Steve's not doom and gloom. He I just have, has a line. I, have I could probably black pill people, but it's not worth it. There's well, hope. I have one question for Steve. It's a slightly off topic, but I've actually just always, always had this question in the back of my mind. Do you have like multiple computers uploading videos every single day to YouTube? Because because I'm honestly I'm so impressed at the amount of content that you get on. I'm like this gentleman. He's coming. That's why I'm saying it makes sense that you don't care because you're too busy. You got you got you got stuff to do. You'll laugh at this. Uh, I was coming back from Denver to come back here, and uh, a friend of mine had me over at their house, and he goes, "Do how do you do it?" What what's what is your secret? I go, you see that bag over there? It's this laptop bag. You see that bag over there? And he goes, Yeah, he goes, that's sensitive daily right there. He goes, You're kidding me. You do all this from a laptop? I would do it during Uber days, stop at McDonald's, use our Wi-Fi, do oh, a video or awesome. edit, edit the Bible or something, put it up the links and things like that. And all right, time to get back to driving. Or sometimes if I knew I had a lot, I would put the Wi-Fi connected to the phone to the computer so that I would, well, in between rides from the airport to the new ride. I would upload on 475, whatever it was. That's uh, so but cool. Now just one computer. I wish I had two screens. Those look cool. I don't. I, I think I would get a lot more done 
in the sense of reading or watching a video while I'm doing other things. I'm on they say forty percent more productive with the second screen. I, I just I don't know how to pull that off. I'm, well, I I just sometimes log in because I mean I love Census Fidel. There's certain sermons that I'll just re-listen to over and over again. But then I'll like log in. I'll be like, wait a minute, he has like what, what is that thirty five videos uploading right now? Like or like you know that are premiering? What is going on? Like how does this man do this? Well, see, do they do, do priests are priests like sending you their sermons? How does that? How does that nowadays work? some do? Yeah, now now they do. Back in the day, it was just uh, I've had guys reach out. There was one New York priest. He con- emailed me, contacted me on Facebook, and email asking uh hey you want to put my stuff up i said yeah i'll check it out and i i, I still have subscribed to his channel but uh i, I keep forgetting to check it out because like, like nick just said i'm so busy doing it up uh i think i uploaded 45 today but that was with butlers and a couple other things you're so smoking down here <laughs> i'm thinking you know, like five i i think i'll premiere five today and that was that was a low number but no yeah. if i die uh, nobody will know it because I have videos going up until today of 2025 and three, <laughs> three each day. So you, you'll never you know. Really listen to them. Do you listen to them ahead of time? I've heard every one of them multiple times. This so if someone asks me like, Hey, do you, where's that one that talks about this? I, yeah, I got it. And they all send it in a second. How do you know it? I go, well, I put these things together and probably listen to it four or five times. First two times to vet it or I listen in the car. All right, or All right wait, wait, wait. We got 82 people in here. All right, 82 people in here. What happened with the rundown, Steve? Why'd you leave the rundown? We, you, why, you put, why are you going that way? Because he's had, he's had <laughs> a few drinks and we're three hours into this. Bro. No, Somebody send that man some sunscreen. <laughs> yeah, the sun is getting to him. I'm, gonna, I'm just playing with you. No, I, it's, I, uh, I, I, I'll, I'll tell you one thing, though. What'd you say? I'm much better off right now. It's uh, I didn't, no, I, I didn't I, want to go down. I, the I will home. say this: um, the only other uh, like uh, team that I like to watch is, is the uh, news from the pew. Man, I love watching your show. You guys, how, how'd you assemble that team? <laughs> uh, Avengers assemble. Yeah, uh, how'd you how'd you assemble the Avengers? I've known Foz for years. He was actually the first guy to do an interview with me back when I was in Denver. He interviewed uh, you or you interviewed him? He did it to me. He put it on his uh, Instagram. You know, it's a black and white, and one of those top-down things. How'd you first ever, I think it was the first time I put my face in anything. I was like, okay. Uh, how'd, you, how'd, you, how'd you guys even meet? I think it was just through uh, knowing Father and just him reaching out to me because he knew Father Ripker as well. Uh, Father would go out there and hang out with because he did the Holy 40 Project. He still does, and it's all about virtues. And uh, – I mean, we've been talking since then. I mean, I mean, I, I, I'm sorry we did. I don't think I knew him before when we went out to Ryan and I split a table to go to Catholic uh, Catholic Answers Conference back. Uh, what year was that? By the way, it, it was. Uh, we had to raise money for that thing, and it was not worth it. And uh, Shot, shots fired at the at the rundown crew. We're just letting you guys know right now. I have a pitch for, for Steve. So Mr. Cunningham, I have, I'm making a documentary in like three weeks, right? A documentary where I'm going to be at Clear Creek Abbey for a month, for a month. And basically what's going to be happening is it's going to be me reading through the entire of the Summa. That's essentially what my whole show is focused on is the Summa of St. Thomas. Um, and I'm going to be giving some short explanations of it, but it's mainly going to be kind of like 
what is it like to study scholasticism in a monastic setting, right? Do you think someone would even be interested in watching that since you're like the king of knowing what people want to watch for at least Catholic YouTube? Uh, good question, because uh, to be honest, I don't care what people want to watch. I put up what people should watch. Um, and the people mm-hmm. that will watch your, what you're going to put up, that's going to be great. Uh, they should watch stuff like that. It's the stuff that has the sexy titles and the clickbait that people want. That want okay, to get the so, circle, that should be watching. Those are going to get the numbers. Nick, you said before Steve popped on, you were like, okay, Steve Cunningham. Like, Steve, so me and Fawaz did that like Catholic speaker thing. It was really just a goofy show we did. But I don't know if you realize how many Catholics learned their faith because of those sermons you're putting up, right? So they may not get a ton of views on every single sermon, but the amount and and quantity that you're putting out, people are catching some of them and hearts are actually converting oh, yeah. from those sermons. So it's like, it may not get many views, but are it's, people it's really timeless. converting because me and Rob talked about the synod on synodality, but there's some, some of the, timeless. Some the, of the, the best comments. Timeless. So some I mean, like a Butler's, <clears throat> Butler's and Dom Garage. I'm the only one to put Dom Garage up and, Mm-hmm. Uh, on video, read the whole thing twice actually because I screwed up the first time. That's what YouTube didn't like. Oh, Steve's frozen. Rob, get your words in. I was just gonna say some of the best comments I've seen on our videos were on those School of Jesus Crucified videos. They got like thirty views. So Steve, Steve's frozen. I don't know what happened there, but oh, we good? Yeah, now you're good. Now you're good. I said, and I got butlers. They probably come up with like two, 500, 200, 500, 300, 600 views. Nobody really cares much about, it, but those are timeless. They'll be up every year, recycled around. Uh, never have to, they're always going to be relevant. Relevant. It's not like somebody putting up a video like, oh, the Pope said this today. That's gone in a week. No one's going to care about that in three years. Mm-hmm. Everything, I still see, I get comments from videos from, 2015, 2014, people are like, this is amazing. Uh, so, yeah, this this stuff is going to be tough. We're long and gone. There's going to be every, and I'm on well, how many platforms? I'm just sticking it out there so it gets everywhere. Uh, which so, Nick, when Nick, when did you discover census fidelium? Like what, what, what was like the, the, did you, was this while you were still Protestant or after you had become Catholic? Oh, this was in the transition period of beca- because I was wanting, I think so many people go and get their, yeah, exactly. That's what, it, it's, it's honestly, it's so impressive. Um, I, I came across it. I think like so many people when they're learning their faith, because let's be honest, YouTube has kind of become like the catechesis juggernaut in the sense that so many people go to YouTube to learn what, learn something of the faith. And so I I think the first video I ever was exposed to uh, census fidelium on, and I still think that this is absolutely one of the best videos that I've ever heard was it was a sermon and it's called St. Thomas Aquinas, the antidote to modernism. Yes. And so I watched that, or I watched that and I've listened to it probably 20 times um, the whole thing. And What's so good about it is that as I've actually lived a life where I've studied Thomas now for four years, I remember at the time, like fresh Catholic one month in hearing this sermon being like, oh, this Thomas guy, you know, sounds kind of cool. I don't want to be a modernist going all the way from that to, you know, I've devoted my life to this man's thoughts and 
I go back and re-listen to this, and I even glean new pieces of information from just the examples that the priest gives of debunking things like Kant and Hegel and other. And so it, that was the time I think that it was one of those videos that really pushed me to actually do what I'm doing now, which is actually just studying Thomism. And that from all the other ones, there's so many good ones from Father Ripperger on the virtues, and he's you know being an old school priest. <clears throat> very well fed in Thomism. And so him just citing St. Thomas here, there and everywhere, it gives exactitude and clarity, um, which is amazing. And so I think I'm speaking for everyone in the chat when we say we're, we're definitely indebted to you, Steve, because like, I mean, you're, you're absolutely right. This is the stuff that you need to hear because most Catholic YouTube now I I've told other people, I said, most of Catholic YouTube now is either clickbait or trying to be the Pope's lawyer. It's like one of the two. And that's pretty much it. Um, whereas you, you're putting content up that is convicting me people all the time in good ways. I, there's not a day that goes by that someone doesn't share a census fidelium sermon with me, or they bring up something like, Oh, you know, I thought about apostatizing from the faith, but then I listened to this sermon from census fidelium that said X, you know, and it kept me away from that. So it's definitely the place to go. I remember whenever it was, what was this? Was it during the pandemic when it got taken down, the channel got taken down for like a day by YouTube. I was so incredibly mad. I had every single college student that I knew. I was like, you need to, you know, email YouTube. You need to get on the horn. You guys need to pray. I texted priests. I was just like, this is the weirdest prayer request of all time. But this YouTube (laughs) channel, (laughs) this YouTube channel was taken down. This is so unjust. And I remember just getting so mad. I was like, this guy who puts up basically slideshows, (laughs) basically slideshow sermons, is being taken yeah, that's down. What, that's, it's funny because I see I see my parish pop up on the slides. <laughs> <laughs> I, see, I see Holy Innocence pops up all the time. It's funny. Yeah, and I remember yeah. that. I remember that day when it came up, and I started getting texts like, "What?" And clicking up my parish, screen. bro. <laughs> I went, it said, "You're done." And I went. I got. I went to the door over there and just told the smile to my wife. I go. Uh, she goes, "What's up?" I go, "You want the good news or the bad news?" <laughs> To give you an idea, huh? To give you an idea of how up and riled people were, the massive young adults community at the parish I go to, like several hundred people, I sent that in the chat, and it was within minutes that dozens and dozens and dozens of them, and then turned into hundreds of them, were like absolutely freaking out. And they're like, "We need to start rosary chains. We need to get this thing back online now." Whose who sermon was it that got you suspended? Oh no! That when that happened, it was uh, the you, people probably seen it. Um, there's somebody that will take the logo and the name, and we'll start doing these long comments, pretty much spamming everyone on these comments. And if we report it, I guess some person in Google wasn't doing their due diligence because if you click the photos, or whoever you comment, it goes to their channel. Mm-hmm. And if you click on that that particular spammer. It went to a channel with zero, but some reason they thought I was spamming it. And if you get if you get caught spamming, you get the axe. So they thought I was the spammer, which was two different channels altogether, and altogether, oh, two different channels. Everyone was doing Leslie Nelson, um, uh, and and that's why they took me down. And I ended up having some friends at Google, and I hit them up, say, "Hey guys, what happened here?" And uh, they put it on a uh, highest scale, or whatever they put a high rank, high rank to get it up, and we got back up in twelve hours. So. Uh, it's good to have some friends in some high places. There's a, there's an inner ground in Google that are Catholics. I like the channel too. Well, so. we did a, we did a story on Wednesday, how Google 
was going to do a pride event or a drag show or something. And, and 700 employees wrote a letter saying this is religious discrimination, fought back, and Google canceled the event. It's nuts. They're putting, you see, like uh, Gilbert Arenas the other day uh, went nuts at the, uh, in a podcast on how crazy it is. And that's the NBA's bunch of wokies. But I think, as he mentioned, there's like 30% of the black population are, are for it. The majority are not. But white population is 67%. And really, the only people that are pushing it in the NBA, in the NBA logo family, I guess, are the WNBA, because there ain't yeah. no girl trying to become a guy to play up in the, in the NBA and get just destroyed up there. Yeah. They're all going down. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that's they're they're pushing their they're over pushing it. I mean, shoot, when we were doing um uh, we were back in Denver, we were doing the the uh, Denver City Fair, it was called the People's Fair. They had drag shows on Sunday. And we were out there passing out miraculous medals. We had our own t- uh, table doing the St. Paul Street team, and uh, it was it was fun. I love that because I had the I had a Polaroid with a Lepanto flag with the Muslims who were right next to us. We had the Muslims next to us, the atheists next to them. Uh, the uh, Planned Parenthood was giving out lube. They were right next to them. I mean, there was like 12 or 15 tables that just hated us. And everybody saw that. And we had people just come up just because they thought that was cool. They go, wow, you got the atheists right there and the National Guards to your left. I go, they're protecting the Muslims. <laughs> yeah. We was, I, I love arguing like that and put a good time with it. And uh, But yeah, they were having drag theirs. Uh, this was just a long time, not a long time going. It's just, you know, seeping the pot, turning the temperature up. And now they're really going, pushing it hardcore. And there's some resistance. I mean, uh, shoot, not to bring up a bad thing, but Starbucks, they went, they got, they even pushed back on. We're not going so far anymore. I mean, when that grew. I think think the trans issue just really broke everyone. I think that people are finally waking up and seeing, I think if they would have just left it, as how they had it with the same sex stuff, I think they would have been fine. But was a trouble. See what see what everyone's going to take, and maybe that, we'll see what next year what they bring up. And they want to do the season, so we're in the season of pride. Yeah, well, uh, I also think that they're just setting it up to make it out that Christians are bigots. Like I, I really think make that's, it that way. I mean, that they're just setting it up to make it like, look at how hateful these people are. You're going to see a pushback after this. Because we we gave them pushback this year, you're going to see an onslaught, and I I just think I think a lot of the reason we don't get much per- Christian persecution right now is because you have a pope who is playing with the synod on synodality and giving people the impression that the church is going to change things, and get we all know book. that's not going to happen. So when that when the reality sets in that nothing is going to get changed and Francis is gone, I think you are going to see persecution like you couldn't. Like since the early church, you haven't. Well, seen I mean, twenty twenty nine is coming up, so uh, expect that. Expect that to be a fun year. Uh, 100%. Just I think it'll be well. before then because I don't think anything's ever on the mark like that. I think it's going to be before then. Well, if they consider the French Revolution, then what was that quote? The you know, the the pope, the uh, pope is going the way of the the kings of the French Revolution. So if that's if it came a hundred years to the time of that, and twenty twenty nine is a hundred year anniversary of that. Uh, it's going to be pretty. It's, it might get bumpy on the way up, but the yeah. big party will be around then. You start I mean, seeing people the way, just, just using the past as prologue idea. People are asking if you're drinking a white Russian. No, 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 no! You racist. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually uh, drinking milk, actually. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people were doing that, Rhoda. A lot of people like uh, 
you know, because it is the month of the Sacred Heart. So I'll tell you, my my uh, I have I I have to say family member because I don't want to say which family member, but works. Uh, she's like a graphic designer, <clears throat> and had never really paid attention to this stuff. And then her company sent out a uh like a uh like a thing they had to like fill out like a, a, a survey question survey exactly survey. I'm sorry, guys. I'm a little tired. Uh, like- sent out a survey and th- like basically said, if if the rainbow stuff makes you uncomfortable at your job, you should find a different job. Basically saying, like, if you're a Christian and you have a problem with this stuff, we don't want you here. <clears throat> and it never unsettled her until this year. And this year it was just that survey really disturbed her. And uh, it wound up that she starts coming back to latin mass because of this like like all these things happen and it's like my, you know she just can't handle she's like i can't believe I, like, i've kept my head in this in the sand for so long and just pretended this stuff wasn't happening and now it's gotten so out of control that they're asking me to take this survey they did like a drag queen bingo night and all this yeah, stuff yeah, I've never seen and, that. and she's just like she just lost it and she's back at church now father, uh, father abernathy brings it up in a lot of his lectures saying sometimes this seems like we just needed to get some water thrown on our face yeah. These, you know, I hate the term "wake up" because everyone uses it, overuse in a sense. But yeah, this well, is waking up is not the same as woke. Like we're we're literally saying, like like sometimes chastisement needs to happen to snap people out of their slumber. Yeah. Sometimes you need a punch in the face to wake you up to figure it out, or yeah. a severe butt kicking, or and that's what the that's what drill sergeants do. That's what coaches do. And this, that's why I keep bringing up that most most of our fellow trans have never played ball or went in the military because the first time they get somebody saying something to them or pop them in the face, they go cry in the corner like a little bunch of babies. Like, uh, bunch of more. You, you see their emotions just jump out and get mad and I'm going to get you back instead of, well, yeah, maybe I could do better. Maybe I can work on that to become better, to make everyone around me better, to make my product better, to gain more souls for heaven. For yeah. that's what we're supposed to be. We're supposed to gain, or, or are we supposed to make ourselves famous? So, um, yeah. I, don't, I hate. I love going to a place where I go to a parish. Most of the times, people don't know who I am, and I love. That. I never get recognized. I, there's like a couple of people that recognize me in mass, but they're friends. Like the, I, I don't get nobody recognizes me yet. You're way bigger. I mean, you got two hundred something thousand subs. It's way different for us. Imagine but if I, I Trump tweet me out. <clears throat> Wait, what'd you say? So imagine if I get Trump to tweet me out. <laughs> I have my I have my connections. I will be like, Mr. Trump, gotta gotta watch the greatest show on YouTube. No, it's not. It's not The Apprentice. Well, it's, it's, it just shows you it's two hundred sixty thousand. Uh, no big names ever tweeted it out. Uh, it's always it's always consistently going this way. Yeah, um, because I mean, I know I'm in two parishes. Friends. I know two parishes that promote it out, you know, real, not fraternity or ICK, two parishes, one's in Australia and one's down the street from where we sometimes we go to the TLM there. And uh, outside of that, that's about it. I mean, if, give me some focus money and uh, let, I, I, there's a big, there's a big move coming up on the census Fidelium uh, world. I guess you would say universe in the not so distant future. I got a big announcement on that, but Man, if I had the if I had the cash dollar that these guys, some of these guys need or need to operate, I'd take over the world. I mean, I see remember back when the one Peter five days uh they were asked twenty thousand dollars a month to operate. I'm going, man, I'm working off two. 
Yeah. I got, I got, a, I got a laptop. I have 45 <laughs> videos uploading right now. Come on, Tim. Let's figure this out. <laughs> I'm worried about getting evicted for rent for our rent. Not just, <laughs> just but you're back, back, back in those days, I was doing Uber. 50 hours a day, it seemed like. But you're able to support yourself now from, from this stuff, right? Yeah, if Google goes down, I'm done. But yeah, I just that's the only thing keeping me up. And What's going uh, on with uh, Spiritus? We never played that it's video. It's right? but that's not me. That's a bunch of, that's the other guys. The reason why I was SF TV was because we had no uh, creativity at the day when we were trying to name it. And it was bad names. We were just, it was so cringe, like, by Holy Spirit TV, or uh, no, it wasn't that bad. It wasn't like that. It wasn't Oy. like on Eagles Wings Oy. media or anything like that. But I just told him, why don't you just use SFTV, Census Fidelium TV, and uh, and just could use the brand. And then by the time we started getting more and more people come in, everyone thought I was running it, and yeah. then people were putting. How, how dare you guys bring in this avoiding battle? Like, are you okay with that? And I was like, no, 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 that's not me. And, uh, <laughs> just kidding. No, but seriously, there was other channels coming on that I was like, guys, I got, I can't be associated. If you want to bring these guys in, I don't want to be associated with it just because if they put something up, it's going to automatically put the priests in jeopardy on this or me. Yeah. It's just, yeah. That had to be a separation. Yeah. So they, you know, they, they created the new thing. The comment on JF's comment. I don't know if you're here for the first time, but we're here until the sentence over. You <laughs> hundred dollars. No, we're, we're gonna go to we're gonna go to three and a half hours. This is officially the longest live stream we have ever done. I saw this before we said our our family prayers about eight o'clock. I go, <laughs> That's oh, we started. Rob, Rob, and them are talking. Rob and Anthony are talking. Is this too much for all you old guys? I don't know. It is. I, I, it is I eat dinner before this and I'm hungry again. <laughs> <laughs> I get we get downstairs and she turns TV on. Like I check the messages. I go, wow, they're still going. And she turns on another show, and I'm, I'm sitting there holding the baby. And I turn on the news. They're still going. Holy <laughs> keep it going until Rob falls asleep. <laughs> I'm listen, I feel bad for Rob. I see Rob is like, oh man. He wants to keep going. Hope, I got my wife's not home. I'm good. Hope, I I hope came in watch. here with the monster and she's like, Do you want this? I look at the clock I'm like 10 11. No, I don't want that. I still have beer. I'm good. I'm not going nowhere. I, I, have, <laughs> I can't believe we still have 83 people hanging in there. This is amazing to me because it started off. It started off as like an an insanely crazy conversation, and now we're just like riffing. We're just hanging and talking. It really is fun to just have conversations with friends and just like it's weird that it's over the internet now, right? Like I want to start doing conferences. Like I had such a fun time. Like I know Steve wasn't crazy that I did the canceled priest conference, but (laughs) I just yeah, I'm just not a fan of the whole thing. That's all. The the whole water is wet. But the whole the whole experience I had there was so awesome. Like it was meeting other Catholics that are passionate about their faith, and it was hanging out until one in the morning together, having a beer together, and just sitting and talking like we're doing right now. But it was in person, and it was such an awesome experience that I want to do more things like that. Like I, I was actually, if we didn't stay this late, I was going to talk to Rob about this in the green room. Like, I want to see if, like, guys around the country have men's groups and want to see if, 
like, it, dude, if you guys want to set something up where a few of us come and meet up with your men's group, we'll do a talk for you guys, and then we'll all go out to a bar and we'll hang out for the night. And like, Cincinnati does a men's conference. Uh, it's expensive, uh, really expensive. Uh, who, Charlotte who does, does a men's conference uh, every who? year in March. Who? Um, Charlotte, Cincinnati does a men's conference. Dallas does one. Charlotte does one. Jason, you talked to Jason Murphy. He runs the men's conference in Charlotte. Uh, I like going to those conferences. I usually go to, I'll go to the Charlotte Eucharistic conference all the time. 10,000 people show up to it. The coolest thing about it is when people that are fans come up and go, one, that's your, your hit. Your, that's, <laughs> I got nobody else. There's no, I don't have a team like other guys have teams. And they're like, and then the, then, but, the, but the most coolest thing is when they say, you're one of us. Uh, the Carolinian guy. Uh, there's, you know, there's people in Texas, people in California, people. See, I'm not even talking about conferences. I'm talking about men's groups that they have at their parish. Like, like if you have a men's group at your parish, like there is something so awesome about getting together and just hanging and having a real conversation. So if we ever get big enough, it's like, dude, if you guys have a if you guys have a parish men's group and you want us to come and give a talk, like we'll come and give a talk and then we'll all hang out after. We'll do it on a Friday night so nobody has work the next day and we'll get to hang out together and then me and well, Rob will fly start out. Start the Avoiding morning. Babylon New York chapter. I mean that think locally, yeah. act locally. You can do that at a local level right now. I can't even I can't even get my parish to, <laughs> to you know. It's, I really it's, get some, get some str- of your guys in the parish. There's got to be somebody there. That's uh, but the, that but the strange thing about the internet is you could get a like a group of guys in the middle of Kentucky that like really like the show, and it's like, dude, we would love to have you guys come out. Like, I I hope that we're big enough to do that one day because I had the most fun meeting up in person with people, and I'll tell you right now, like that conference was it was a lot of fun because. People wanted to go to bed after the talks were over, and I didn't let them. Like, I was like, "No, you were hanging out." Boy, like, that does not sound familiar at Yo, all. Yeah. I'm, I'm surprised you didn't go knocking on door. Wake up! Well, but Steve, you don't understand. That's exactly what I did. I was knocking on people's doors. It's like, dude, we, let's go hang out. Come on, how often do you get to see each other in person like this? Don't waste that opportunity. Like I, I, I was saying, like Kennedy is a very introverted guy i think he would have probably just called it a wrap after the talks and probably took it took an early night i was like bo i'm buying you a, i'm buying you a martini we're gonna sit you're gonna have a martini and we're gonna talk and we hung out until one in the morning every night shaking it was such a stirred. fun time shaking or stirred we're doing don't shake a martini I just, I just wonder what Anthony did with it. I, don't know. <laughs> I just go dirty martini, and, I, and they had blue cheese stuffed olives. They were amazing. Um, yeah, was, I was the whole, was cabin, the 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 whole camp, cabin up. But like, we're doing Pennsylvania in September, and uh, Enoch's coming. My cousin Eddie's coming. I thought Rob's it was October. Coming. September twenty seventh to October first. Isn't that Clark's cousin Eddie too? Vegas vacation. <laughs> September 27th to October 1st. We're doing three nights. <clears throat> but uh, I think Father Dave Nix is going to come. Like, we're getting a crew to go, and we're just going to go hang at my uncle's See, house. You, Nick, people you, like doing that. Nick, I, I forgot like to ask it. you about that. If you want to come, you're you're invited on that. I appreciate it. Yeah, I ain't going. I invited <laughs> you, Banana. I'm asking Nick. He said Nick, no. not Steve. He's, he, he's, he keeps, he, that's what I'm talking about. I don't like going to the Water is Wet conferences. I like to go recruit and go fish more people. 
I, I we're not going to a water is wet conference. Guy. We're doing a few friends meeting up to go. Quad I thought you were talking about the CAC or whether the guy. I don't do like, that. Um, I'm not going to that. That's the same like, weekend though. It's the same weekend as the CIC. So, but yeah, Nick, you're invited to that. I forgot to tell you about that. We're going to Pennsylvania. If you flew in. If you like, Rob's gonna fly into LaGuardia, and I'm gonna drive him there. So if you caught a flight to LaGuardia, I'll drive you, and then I'll drop you guys back off at the airport on the way home. Okay, I'll, I'll look into that. My dad is a pilot for Southwest, so I'm sure I could probably snag some tickets fairly easy. Everybody's gonna be hitting up Nick now. Hey, I need a buddy pass. <laughs> yeah, exactly, something like that. I don't know. You know, the last time a bunch of Southerners went up into Pennsylvania, didn't it didn't end up so well? Should have so, should have came out better. It was a was a uh, Bad shot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I'm like, ah, I don't know about that one, but uh, there's a lot of, lot of, a uh, lot of pain right there. Uh. Well, so okay, so we're going to Pennsylvania, and we're going to go to the Padre Pio Shrine while we're there. So there's a Padre Pio Shrine in Pennsylvania. We're going to do that, and then we're just going to have fraternity at my uncle's house. He's got 70 acres. He's got quads and dirt bikes and Dude. a whole bunch of stuff. There's a, there's a resort that he has. Um, year-round access to that they have like a pool a restaurant everything so we're gonna do the padre pio shrine one day then we're gonna quad one day we're gonna go to the resort one day we got three days that's what we're gonna do we're gonna have a fun time it's gonna be just a bunch come of on guys down here we'll, i'll teach you what, how to cow tip we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll do some real things let's, yeah, let's that's he needs to come to texas i know you're not you're not in texas but he needs to come to texas he just needs to get out of that blue blue desert over there and if uh I, free state if i could support my family in any other state i'd leave tomorrow i'm not kidding all right like, everyone have- super chats now we're gonna get anthony <laughs> out of his prison we're he, gonna has, get he talked about going to south carolina but i mean if you're going to the coast it's expensive right now you got you gotta wait for the crash to hit i'll tell you right now my wife wants to move to south carolina it's beautiful that's, you that's know home. what keeps that's home that's hey, my country. anthony in new york is nepotism Yes, yeah, South Carolina was the first of uh, the first to leave, and uh, mm-hmm. I, you know, I mean, he brought up a good point about Lincoln. Maybe this is the last like thing we should talk about for the last three minutes of stream. Everyone's thoughts on Lincoln. <laughs> that guy. That guy. We'll start with we'll start with with Rob because he's tired. <laughs> Rob what? wanted to get off two hours ago. <laughs> I texted you at two hours eleven minutes. That's how you wrap this up. <laughs> Super chat belongs to Rob for more energy. Rob, all you gotta do is say, Oh, the internet's gone. Whoops. You know, like the <laughs> airplane. What what this does? <laughs> Lauren said goodnight 90 minutes ago. <laughs> well, Lauren, we appreciate it. Send your super chat so we can get Anthony out of jail. <laughs> the funny thing is, like when people see a three and a half hour stream, they're like, I'm not watching that. <laughs> That's the best part. It's like I'm gonna have to break this up into two separate shows, but um, <laughs> uh, so Rob and I, uh, my wife wants to go to South Carolina, but Rob and I decided if we do ever have a, the ability to support ourselves with this, we're going to Tennessee. Tennessee, yeah, Tennessee, yeah, happy medium. Tennessee's pretty. I might be living there in a couple of years myself. So, what part of Tennessee? Tennessee's Smoky the most mountains. beautiful state I've ever visited. You haven't gotten out much of that. <laughs> <laughs> Then why did we have Steve on earlier? <laughs> he has some Southern honesty, and I appreciate it. That's a, that's a little inside joke for the old yeah. school fans. Oh, Jason. Um, all right, so let's let's do a wrap up, guys. Let's uh, please join our locals, especially you 
eighty like savages that stuck it out for this whole thing. This crazy is people. absolute this is you crazy people stuck it out. Eighty of you stayed till the end, and I am I am grateful to every single one of you. The people in the live chat that helped make this show funny because you a lot of the times I'm not funny, but the lines in the chat are hilarious. Nick, what's your YouTube channel? Just Nick Cavazos. Uh, <laughs> It's uh, the traditional, traditional Thomas. Thomas. Yeah, traditional Thomas. So traditional come on Thomas. over there. Uh, yeah. Not to be confused <laughs> yeah. for the militant Thomas who's ripping on Anthony on Twitter right now. Oh, is, is he? Yes. What's he saying? Uh, so he tweeted your tweet uh, about Calvin Robinson. Oh, here comes about fifty more tweets from Anthony now. Oh no, I think I don't know. I don't know if he would be ripping. Actually, I think he'd be agreeing with him. Cause... No, Anthony made a joke saying that Calvin Robinson was more Catholic than the Pope. Oh, I, I didn't and, uh, say the Catholic. I said, Cal- I said this guy really loves his Latin. He's more Catholic than the, and I didn't say anything. And people are I making know. their own inferences. <laughs> Anthony, what a what a what a troll! Can't take him anywhere. <laughs> I never talk about Francis outright. I just don't like. I, I people don't realize subtlety is key, right? Like when I see people say Francis is a heretic, it's like, dude, you just crossed the line. You turned a million people up. You have to be a little subtle about it, and you just you make a little comment, but you'd be subtle about it. It's like we know there's something off. That's this is all. how the Yankees got us in the war. They were just acting all subtle, and they're just like, yeah, 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 compromise, 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 whack. You know, they won't leave anybody alone. They wanted everyone to be like them. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Texas doesn't uh, want to be in New York. Rob lit up right at the ending, right? <laughs> Rob like Rob sees a light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, guys, go check that out Delium, But more than that, go check out News from the Pew. If you guys don't know News from the Pew, they are my – these guys were uh, really the first guys to, like, be Rob and I's friend, right? Like, like we, we started off, nobody wanted anything to do with us. News from the Pew crew, they had, really a, hasn't they, changed. they had more yeah. subscribers of us. I'm sorry. Us. I'm sorry for bringing us onto the world. They had more subs than us. Now we're beating them because clearly we're better than them. But either way, we still love them. They're our friends. I was joking, guys. Everybody got so serious. I'm not, I'm not like starting to fight with my friends. Calm down. Almost, almost, almost asked Anthony to come on yesterday because Jonathan's in Italy. And then almost, uh, Rick, almost. Rick said, that'd be a great idea, but we wouldn't. It's all right. I was in the comments anyway. <laughs> and then Rick goes, you know, oh, I'd love to bring him on, but we wouldn't get a word in. So <laughs> <laughs> true. Fair play. Fair play. I would totally take over that stream. All right. So please join our locals. Uh, if For anybody that hasn't seen the Danielic Mystery Series, please go back and check that out. Um, and Steve, you got anything to promote? You know, I was singing Daniel the entire time you guys were doing that. All right. So, Nick, do you have anything else you want to promote besides traditional Thomas? <laughs> um, go check out my writing at 1 Peter 5. Also stop by uh, 1 Peter 5 in a couple weeks when you're going to see the documentary hit, as well as, um, yeah, if you're interested in just, like, larger dialogues on this. We're over at the Meaning of Catholic, where you'll see me on the morning show, as well as on Integrated with Angela. Nick, you're going to have to come back on with us, dude. This is a fun show. You are awesome. You're one of my favorite people to talk to. I'm so glad you were able to pop in tonight. It was a last-minute thing that I texted you like two hours before we were going on. I was like, Nick, you busy tonight? So um, everybody that stuck around, you guys are awesome. You're welcome, too. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Steve, thank you. Hold on. uh, Before everyone goes, we got to tell them about next Tuesday's show. (gasps) 
Oh. <laughs> what in the wide, wide world of sports am I looking at? I want everyone to take this in for a second here. Just soak that image in, folks. Just soak that Is image in. Is that get her done? And look yeah, at how... Yeah. Look at how white everyone is but me. <laughs> All what? of our heads match. The, the skin tones match, except for Anthony. Is Anthony trying to be Larry the Cable Guy? Yeah, he so is we're doing, kind of the Italian Catholic Larry the Cable Guy. We're having Michael Hitchborn and Joshua Charles on together. <laughs> and we're going to do blue-collar eschatology. But that image is... When Rob showed me that image, I almost died. <laughs> I was like, you kidding me? That's well done, Rob. Thank you. David L. Gray goes, you guys just upped your uh, thumbnail game a thousand times, bro. Oh, brother. That was a funny one, man. Uh, All right, Rob, you got a a fun uh, ditty to take us out with? Sure. I'm not gay no more. I am. (laughs) Wait, 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 wait. If everybody's still here, wait, Rob. Let's show everybody the car. Car. Oh, Trapper made it happen again. Look at it. We got a fire popping out here again. Cause they're always going down somewhere. Cause crack. Cause all on crackheads over there. Cause I had an accident, man. I hurt my homeboy, man. I'm my homeboy. I got to go to the hospital. pitter. Cause look at this shit. Cause. Cause we're suing. Cause. Cause we're suing. Cause we don't care. Cause. Okay. You have a good night, everyone. Hello. <laughs>